What's up, everyone? Before we get started with this week's episode uh, featuring Jim Burke and Olivier Mazarel, really fun episode, by the way. Uh, wanted to give a plug to our sponsors, Lift Aviation uh, and Fly Good Merch. Head over to liftaviationusa.com. Use the promo code FLYCOOLSHIT at checkout for 25% off most items on the website. And uh, I'm going to be testing some new things uh, coming up here pretty soon that might be exciting to you guys. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Uh, thank you to Fly Good Merch. Head over to flygoodmerch.com. Use the promo code ACRO, A-K-R-O, at checkout for 10% off the entire website. Thank you for supporting the podcast, supporting us. Please go support them and show them some love. Now onto the episode. Um, just to give you guys a heads up, there was a little bit of feedback. Um, because uh, Jim and Olivier were in the same room, they didn't have headphones, and so there, there are times where you hear a little bit of feedback. So we do apologize for the audio quality, but I think it's worth getting through that because it was really, really fun talking to uh, Olivier for the first time and, and, of course, having Jim back on. Um, Olivier, of course, now is the uh, latest uh, uh, Spanish national champion. Uh, so uh, that was really fun to have him on. He's a really, really cool guy. This was a fun podcast. He's he's really fun, and we had a good time. And it, it got uh, it went off the rails towards the end, uh, but it was just it was just so damn fun. Really good to talk to both of them and and uh, get kind of that coach coachy um, uh, relationship dynamic uh, and kind of tease that out and see how that how that plays out. Right. Uh, so that was super fun. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Let's get started. Welcome to Fly Cool Shit, the show where Jeff Petro and Mark Pollard talk about aerobatics, unique airplanes, aviation news, and so much more. Hey pilot, you're cleared to enter the box. Smoke on. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Fly Cool Shit, powered by Lift Aviation. I'm Mark. And I'm Jeff. And dude, I didn't even realize this. I swear I'll turn on my video, uh, Jim and Olivier, Mark, but I'm drinking a LaCroix right now, not on purpose. It's pronounced LaCroix, <laughs> you Look, uncultured swine. I've got a Perrier. Yeah, hold on a second. Let me turn my uh, my video on just to prove that I'm not... Look at that. <laughs> Very nice. All right. How do I? Uh, so I'm gonna turn. I'm turning my video uh, on. Waterloo. Boom. Oh, we're oh, just so. Oh, French. it's like blinking it out. Yeah, there we go. Oh, there we go. There's the water. So we're all. We're just. We're just doing it right now. Oh, the blue angels are behind you. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Got the got the trusty blues. Um, there's a little feedback, Jim. Just a heads up, but uh, we'll we'll make do. Um, well, no, I can bring my vault, my level down a little bit. Tell me if that's better. Let's see. Hello, hello, hello. Much that's better. much better. Yeah, that's perfect. Um, we have Jim Burke and Olivier Mazzarell on the podcast. Thank you guys both so much for coming on to the podcast. Super yeah, excited. We did, we're did. we happy to be here. We didn't know you are going to be broadcast, though. We thought we were just going to have a private conversation, but oh well. Oh, you know, uh, you're on a recorded line. This is a hotline. And uh, yeah, um, what you can, uh, what you say can and will be used against you at Nationals. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm going to get my protest forms ready. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Jim, maybe we can start with you um, just because we, you know, the last time we all talked um, was, was ba- I think, I want to say it was when you basically started taking over Southeast Aero, now Extreme Aerosports. Um, and the MXS hadn't been delivered. Um, yeah. It was very close. 
We talked about the paint that is your current paint. Um, and we have talked a little bit since then in text about just how it is. Um, but now I, we're fast forward. I don't know. This is maybe four months of you flying the airplane. Yeah. Well, I think I, I think I started flying in April or something like that. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Darn near, you know, I don't know, five, six months now, maybe yeah. coming up. Yeah. Can you give us some thoughts uh, coming from uh, the, the um, 330SC and especially like your modified, I mean, you know, your modified 330SC, uh, which it, which it is um, to the MXS and like how that's been going, how the airplane is and you know, where you're at right now with the MXS. I don't think anyone cares about that. <laughs> <laughs> that was the biggest question lead up for the shortest answer I think I've ever had. <laughs> That's like it. That's like an Adam Messenheimer review right there. Yeah, it was good. It's good. It was good. Yeah, it's all right. No, uh, well, it's 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 a great question, and um, I mean, I really enjoyed the the extra. You're right. I did make quite a few modifications to it. Um, trying to get the um, the freestyle performance that people get with the MX was really the goal. Um, but while I was waiting for my MX, you know, the sort of the journey was well, I might as well try getting some interesting, um, you know, tumbles, inside tumbles and uh, Frisbees and some of the things people do with the MX. I thought, well, I might as well get that uh, training in with the extra. But it's very hard to do because the extra just doesn't have the same uh, characteristics in general. And um, I did re finally remove a lot of the stuff I did, partly for safety. I think it's hard in the airplane. Obviously, it's hard in the airplane, you know. So I put the yeah. airplane mostly back to stock and I enjoyed it for last probably almost two years now. Pretty much stock. Okay. Um, okay. It's a very stable airplane. It's a very good airplane for resty. Not as good for freestyle as the MX, obviously. So the biggest thing with the MX is um, just its maneuverability. Um, it's lighter, has bigger control surfaces. They move more. They have higher deflections. It has a, a bigger engine. Well, it has a smaller engine in a way. It has a 540 instead of a 580, but it's pumped up and you know had really a, a true experimental engine. And I have a now I have a whirlwind prop. Been through three or four props. I've tried on it to find the best propeller. The combination is just it's stellar. It's outstanding. Uh, oh, I can't. I, it's it is it is a little bit. Um, it's kind of what you'd expect. I think first off, it's a lot what you expect. You have a much more powerful airplane that can do a lot more things. You have tons of energy all the time. The problem is now you have too much energy, right? That's the mm -hmm. problem. You're you know I'm climbing through sequences. I'm flying much much faster than I was before, and eating up a lot of box space. But it's also a lot more athletic of an airplane. It takes more muscle to fly it well. And that's a, that's a challenge. That's a different thing about it. So for the last few months, I've just been getting used to it. I've also been doing a lot of setup work on it and trying to configure it for myself, getting a you know custom molded seat. There's a lot of work you do to fly the kinds of stuff that uh, that I do that isn't really about being you know in the air. Sometimes you have to get the plane configured to to fit you. Sure. And did a lot of that work. Now that's all done. And finally, really just this uh, oh last week or two, really flying it. Honestly, this is the first couple camps I've had where I've been able to really enjoy the airplane and, and start making good progress on it. And I'm, it's coming along. Olivier is here with me. He's my coach. He comes in from, well, really from Spain, but from he's, he's a French guy, lives in Spain some of the time. So he's yeah. here to help me out. And we've been flying together. Olivier's probably a little hours on it too, so we can answer questions too about it. But a high-level overview is it's just a very powerful aircraft with a lot of energy, excess energy. And I'll, I'll just say, um, if I'm going to do a, I haven't done a lot of freestyle work with it yet, but I've done a lot of Oresti, obviously. And when I do freestyle, I don't, I'm not going to have to worry about energy. I'm not going to have to think, how do I set myself up for that next figure? What order should I do things in so I can make sure I have energy at the end of the sequence? I'm going to be able to do whatever I want to do when I want to do it, when it, it whatever it feels like 
it's time to do that figure. I'll just be, be able to do it because it has the energy for it anytime I want. Was that the focus it- of why you wanted the MXS? It, it was really the freestyle component that the SC lacked? You know, I think there's two things about the MXS. The first one is obviously just the raw freestyle ability that's maneuverability. It's ability to do things that the extra simply cannot do. No matter how good of a pilot you are, you'll never be able to do some of those things. Some of, at some at some level, it's not the pilot. A lot of it's the pilot, sure. obviously. Most of it's the pilot. But there's a, a matter of what tool you have. That's part of it. And the second thing I think was just kind of to um, – to, I had an MX-2, and I felt like it was a pretty wild airplane, and it wasn't really set up very well. And I, I don't have a ton of experience with MXs, but, but from talking to people who have them, I know – that it's not as refined as the extra. So besides the freestyle stuff, one of the things that's really intriguing about to me is to tame it and figure out what makes it, what would make it fly better in a resty and what would make it fly probably better in freestyle for that reason too. What would make it a, um, a more accessible airplane? I really like that kind of challenge. So that's the other thing that, that drew me to it. And now that I have one, there's no real downside for resty. There's nothing really holding it back, but it is, it is, it doesn't have the, the kind of the refined feel the extra has. So that's really interesting to work on that. And I've already uh, been working with Jack at MX. We're going to have a new elevator made with some changes that uh, Libby and I come up with. We're looking at the ailerons, those kinds of things, just to make it a more accessible airplane. Are those going to be interchangeable? Yeah, well, maybe not all of it because, um, I mean, it's too early to say what we're looking at doing, but some of it will be a, a bit of a redesign. And, and trying to take advantage of all the, the things it has right now, but try to give it a, a little bit lighter feel. You know, it takes it, – it's, it's had – Years of extensions where the control surfaces have gotten larger and the throws have gotten bigger, but no one's gone back to say, well, what would make it, um, what, would, what would make the control stick forces in the range that mm. people are used to? So you have a, a plane that a can feel harmony. heavy times. Yeah. yeah. So it just feels a little heavy. And, and to fix that, you probably have to make some changes that are going to be a little complicated. But, but you know, it's just, um, it's just fun to do that kind of thing. I mean, it's something I've always dreamed of really being able to do. So to me, it's like, it's just super duper exciting. And some of it will plug right in. Some of it might have to do some engineering on. Yeah. Amazing. I always thought that that's kind of what the aerobatic planes were missing, you know, similar to uh, how people modify their cars and stuff. I, I understand it's a lot more engineering involved, but, you know, to be able to change wingtips, maybe to be able to interchange some of the control surfaces slightly or, you know, different spades and stuff and I, th- I just think it's something that you you should have the option to as far as tweaking your airplane and um well that's yeah, mx mx is really about making a custom aircraft it's very interesting they have a, a company that's yeah. designed around making you what you want it's not a cookie cutter kind of philosophy i think that's very interesting uh, yeah i think it's exciting so the, what we what we'll end up with is some other options that people can enjoy and would so, give, them, give them the option of having a lighter feel yeah have you decided yeah. what you're going to fly at nationals? Uh, well, yeah, I've, 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 I've had my time with the extra. It was a great airplane. I really enjoy the airplane. I still love the airplane. It flies wonderfully. It fits me really, really nice. I feel very comfortable in it, but um, I'm, I'm also, you know, committed to flying the MX. I like the MX better. It does more. It's more yeah. fun to fly because it does more. It's, it's really satisfying to fly. And I've, I have, I haven't really flown the extra since I got the MX. I'm just barely, it's not really interesting yeah. to me now. That's amazing because, you know, when you ordered it, you were kind of like, I'm not going to paint it because I want to see, right? Like, I want to make sure that this is the way I want to, this is the lane I want to go down. Um, yeah. And 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 now you've committed to it, which is amazing. And, and going back to your comment about, you know, modifying these airplanes, you know, I, I really feel like the bygone era, you know, like I spent a lot of time with Wayne Hanley talking about this, like back in the day with Jim Pites and um, 
uh, Sean Tucker, where like, you know, they're sitting there, they're cutting spades and shovels and, and they're doing these things to these airplanes. That seems to be kind of a bygone era. And um, I'll be so curious to talk to Olivia, uh, Olivier on this um, about how, you know, maybe the French did or do it or um, the Spaniards do it as well. Uh, but it seems like that, like modifying airplanes and, and tweaking the actual airplane is less of a focus and it's more of like tuning the pilot. Whereas MX is kind of coming back to that that era, like extra won't do this at all, right? In fact, the the SX is probably um, the it's a brainchild of of tweaking the SC, but then calling it something else. Um, where you know they won't yeah. make a new elevator, a, an updated elevator, and just be like, you know what, you can have this updated elevator. Whereas MX is like, oh, you want this, you want that, they'll do anything you want. They will literally do anything you want. Yeah, the downside of that for MX, of course, is that they have a bunch of aircraft out there in the in the fleet that are different. Yeah, and that makes a little no standardization. Yeah, but that's I mean, you can see that as advantage or disadvantage. It's really about what the customer wants in the end. But I think yeah. it's really cool, and I, I would like to I would like to see them have um, um, something that feels new that has um, the refinements that you know extras had the advantage of having a lot of uh, examples built with a lot of feedback. And um, MX has not had. They had a break where they weren't making aircraft for quite a while, and now they're back. Yeah. They're making the best aircraft that's ever made for MX, or maybe a period for an aerobatic aircraft. It's it's an unbelievable aircraft. So they need they just need now to have people like me and the other people who fly MXs to give them feedback and tell them what they're looking for and what would make the market happy. Um, it's it's really exciting to be part of it. It's like being. It feels like I'm being. I'm a part of something that just started up. That's brand new. You know, it has you're beta testing. And but not yeah, in the, yeah, the negative connotation. Yeah. That, that that sounds that sounds like you're a, a literal test pilot or or like you're you're doing something, you're you're charting into the unknown. And it's not necessarily that, but it's like you really are kind of like a part of this small sample size that it gets to tweak something to your liking, which is really cool. Well, yeah, we really are. We took the um the the, the elevator design has a horn with a horn shield in front of it. We took the horn shield off and made a longer horn, um, added horn area, you know, and and uh, came up with a different design for the elevator completely. That's going to—they're making nice. a new elevator for that right now. So we're going to be able to try that out, which will make the forces a lot lighter. And uh, we did a lot of things with ailerons. Um, some of it we did with tape. Some of it we did with glue. Um, try to be safe, of course. But did a lot of flight testing, a lot of iterations to try and figure out exactly what would make the ailerons feel a little a little lighter. Um, and it's obviously already a very good plane. I mean, people have been very successful with it. So you're yeah. starting with the best, probably what's already. I'm not even probably. You're starting with the highest performance aircraft in the world. Right per, highest performance, it. hands down. Uh, not even now, it's, it's hands down. Yeah, so it's I can sure you can imagine it's it's exciting for Libby and I. Libby's very talented with this stuff too, and for us to sit there yeah. in a hangar and scratch our heads, and go, what would make this even better? Is just a dream come true for both of us. We've had a lot of fun with it for sure. And you're right. When I bought it, I thought, well, let's see how it goes. Because I had the MX2, and it was pretty rough. That MX2 was uh, Nigel Lamb's aircraft. Well, that, I was going to say that particular MX2 was. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Um, but that was a know, true after demo. Flying it, <laughs> yeah. After, yeah, after flying it for a while, I you know I moved on from it and ordered the MXS, and they told me they were going to make something that was better than it ever been made before. And you know, the, and the day I got it, I did. I, I think like the second or third day I got, it, I did the walk around video that I posted. And, yeah, and it's just it's just an incredible airplane. So um, yeah, I couldn't be happier. I don't, I don't know why I would turn my back on it now. You know, it's the it's workmanship. Um, the workmanship yeah. looks a lot. It's it's a quantum leap and i'm not not saying that, that the airplanes were rough by any stretch but you can tell that the the you know the the carbon work the the the, the, the composite construction the, the build it looks they look like they are 
um, improving as they go. And it, it's definitely the, the current iteration, the MX2 and the MXS looks really beautiful and really well put together and really well manufactured. For sure. It, it does take more muscle. That's the only thing that Libby and I have been talking about quite a bit as well. Does it need to be that, you know, does it need to take uh, that much effort to fly it? Can we, can we make it something that can do all the things it does now without feeling like, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're working so hard? And not like you can't do it, but it's it takes more muscle to fly it. The controls you're talking about this, yeah, stick forces, yeah, yeah. So so hmm. so can we line up the control forces? And you know, and some of the MX owners I've talked to said, "Well, I don't want to feel like an extra." Okay, I understand you have some pride about what what makes an MX an MX. That makes sense, but it doesn't have to feel like an extra to have you know lighter for, forces and to be a little no. more um, approachable for people. Yeah. Uh, so you know, it's been it's just I mean, it's just a fascinating thing to go through. And I, I tell you, what, I've done a lot of aerodynamic work. Over the years, um, as you know, but this is the first time I've ever been able to explore what it's like for the pilot. Because aerodynamically, it's not going to do anything different after we make changes to it. It's going to be the exact same thing aerodynamically. It'll still have the same pitch rate, still the same roll rate. It'll be the basically the same airplane. The difference will only be what the pilot feels. So that right there is something I've never explored before. What forces get fed back on the stick through all the linkages to the pilot's arm? And something sure. I've never really talked about. I know what spades do, but to sit and look at it and go, well, what if we had a horn on the other arm? A horn, you know, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what if we did a reverse core taper like the extra has? To look at that and explore that is a really fascinating thing. And we're, we're just, uh, I mean, I don't even know what to say. I'm just so excited to be part of that. And then meanwhile, we're flying an airplane that just kicks ass. It, it's so crazy. Olivier is here. He's a little quiet because he probably doesn't know what to say to you guys. He doesn't know you as well as I do. But, you know, Olivier can tell you that I fly sequences in front of him. And I'm ending up at 4,000 feet flying the timing I'm used to. Is just not going to work because I have to I have to bring the throttle back on every single downline and some of the uplines to say you know unless I want to be rocketing around at 250 knots you know I've got to bring <laughs> the throttle back you know and my poor little body can't take all the G's right now it'll get better as I have more time with the airplane but it's it takes a lot of a uh, of um, athleticism to fly it the way that people have been flying them it's they, they fly them with that kind of style. Yeah, it's amazing. What does what does it do better maneuverability wise than the? Uh, I'm not trying to, to just compete it, but what do you like that it does better compared to the extra? Everything. Oh God. There's. I mean, <laughs> literally sitting right here. What's what's? There's nothing worse. What would be? No, the LNG is insane. I mean, you can do it's unbelievable for the freestyle. is a beast, uh, definitely. Uh, and uh, yeah, we just have to optimize it a bit. Uh, Feeling, you know, to get it yeah, right but but in terms of maneuvers, like even I just I did a hammerhead and I landed just with a hammerhead, like one of the last things yeah. I did. I landed, goes, oh my god, the hammerheads are so, are so good. Yeah, well, yeah, well, that rudder area, of course, they're good. I mean, it just rotates really fast. There isn't anything that I would say is a downside. Like for no spins, you know, air, air, oh, you know, like 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 some of it you have to learn. Like I was doing a bunch of spins today, and it has so much roll um, authority. That you have to be more careful about the controls when you add the rudder in. You want to, you know, add a little bit of aileron. It's really easy to just roll the airplane all of a sudden, right? Yeah. So some of that, it feels a little razor edge because it's just so maneuverable. But that's not a bad thing. That's just what that maneuverability does for you, you know. So I wouldn't say there's anything wrong with it or anything bad with it. It's a, it's, it's, it's different. It's better. Yeah. You can do a lot more, and the energy you have, like I, I literally start my sequences. Um, I would I would dive in from three thousand feet with the extra, and I would I knew I would get to one hundred eighty five knots if I did that. You know, to, I'd be like a thousand feet, one hundred eighty five knots. I've done it a million times. I know exactly the timing I need to get to my my reference airspeed, which is one hundred eighty five knots. The extra I use that for everything, and I knew how to get that in any figure. How to get back to that because that's what I knew I needed, and I'd always be able to work out what altitude to start with. 
With the MX, I come in straight and level at a thousand feet, and I'm already at 190 knots, just straight and level. I mean, I don't, I don't dive. I don't think about that. I can fly every sequence we've had from like 300 feet if I, if I want, and I'm still too high. Damn it! Yeah. At the and Olivier's their energy is insane. Right? Olivier comes to can't. Yeah, Olivier comes to cockpit like you're too high again. You have yeah. to come down. Stop flying so high. Okay, Olivier, I'm trying. I'm trying. Yeah. I don't know if that's that's probably uh, if there's anything that's like a, <laughs> a downside to the airplane. It's it's the flight envelope, I guess. If if you had yeah. to pick something in general, it's just the the energy of that airplane and the flight envelope is just it's so big. And and maybe I'll even pose maybe I'll pose a question uh, with that comment. Is you know it seems like uh, you know Siva and and the IEC probably build sequences, especially in the unlimited category. You know the SC is the gold standard, so that airplane really excels, um, and the sequences are built around that airplane. Do you think that we'll see? Um, as more, uh, you know, the, uh, MXs are being shipped to foreign countries. Uh, they're being delivered here. Greater numbers are starting to the, uh, crop up, uh, and and especially with you flying an unlimited, you know, two unlimited pilots uh, and and one advanced pilot. If I'm doing the math right, flying MXs. Do you think these sequences will change and they'll start to shift to match the energy and the envelope of the MX? Well, not to not to correct you, but just to give you the fill in the blanks a little bit of what you said. Uh, we have. Um, Several people flying MXs. Mike Celebrity flies an MX very well. No, that, that's, you're right. Absolutely. Advanced He's going for Marty unlimited Fornoy. this year. Yep. Yeah, Marty Fornoy flies an MX2 in advance. He's an extremely strong pilot, uh, especially this yep. year. Steve Johnson flies an MX2. I know Adam Messheimer flies an MX. They're, they are they are coming out of the woodwork. They're, yeah. As the factory is better able to support the aircraft, we're going to see more and more of them out there. I don't know if it would change the sequences. There's a lot of... 330 SCs out there, but I do feel like it's kind of like being in a time machine and going back to 1995 and flying mid 90 sequences in the MX. You know, it feels like you're flying an extra 330 SC at 95. You know, you have a lot of advantage, but you do have you have, you have uh, if you, if you don't if you don't know how to man, I I don't know how to manage a throttle. Okay, so like I'm talking about myself right now, right? If you I, I'm working on that, but it is a if you don't know how to do that, you're going to have some trouble. You're going to crush your head a little bit. You know, you're going to be going so too fast. fast. And some of the sometimes we do. Figures like the speed is just I, I I don't even finish the figure because I've got myself up to 220 knots. I'm like, okay, this is just not going to work. It's not going to be oh, pretty. Wow. I can't keep it in yeah. the box. I'm at 230 knots. You know, B and E on the on the extra is 225, I think. That's fast in the extra. Like you feel the forces. And I am routinely at 220 plus without even thinking about it. <laughs> I don't pay attention. Wow. I'm up at that range, and the, the stick forces get even higher, and it's more G, and I'm out of the box. There's no point. So I just try to remember to go a little slower and chop the throttle more often. Uh, that's that's the stuff yeah. I there. mean, it's not for everybody, right? Because you have to have the the um, the free mental space to deal with that, right? But it's not a disadvantage. It's just you have to have training time, really. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and I I would imagine uh, the seating position being uh, different uh, as different as it is compared to the SC. Are you finding that your the body feel right? Because like. Muscle memory pull uh, uh, forces in the stick are going to be different, but do you feel like the G, like the onset of G feels different? Like you might be pulling higher G, but it feels lower in the MXS? Yeah. At, at, when I when I remember to be at 185 knots, I feel like the Gs are very, very low compared to the extra. But when I get myself to 220, then I don't feel like that. I feel like the Gs sure. are really high. And sometimes yeah. Olivia's like, you need to make, you know, you need to make that pull tighter. And he's right. But I'm it's hard for from the ground to realize the plane is actually 40 knots faster than it, than it normally is. If from the air, you feel it, right? You feel the G's, yeah. you feel the radius is big. It takes a long time. 
but I, I just have to learn to fly at the right airspeed. And I mean, I can I can go in and pull ten Gs at you know two twenty. I'm sorry, like I can't do that. But that's that's fatiguing for you know the whole flight. It's unnecessary too, right? So yeah, yeah I mean, I I, I think at this um, you you are a little more reclined. Your feet are probably a little higher. It's ext- it's a very comfortable airplane. Um, in fact, I, I need to let Olivier talk more. Olivier just yeah. cross country it from Union City, Tennessee, back to Oregon. So we should just. I mean, he can he can talk about how comfortable it is. It's really comfortable. I mean, you're and you also with a little pilot and everything is it's unbelievable. You know, it's yeah. easy to fly. You know, it's autopilot and IFR and yeah, uh, and night fast. And, and very fast. fast. Yeah, and do and so yeah, that's the future. It's a cross country machine. <laughs> how long have you been training? How long have you been training with Jim? Ah, this year? Well, no. How, how, when did we start training together? I don't remember. It was after the WAC in uh, Chateauroux. That was yeah. in 2019. So probably 2020. Yeah. Maybe 2020. Yeah. yeah. Is he a there. lost hope? Is it lost hope? Or are you going to keep going with him? <laughs> Have you given up? Or are you going to keep training me? Oh, it's a, <laughs> it's a team. You know, in the way it is, it's a team. So it's team working. So yeah, sure. We're going to keep yeah. Also, I would suggest he not go to nationals because there's too many unlimited competitors from what I've seen. Yeah. Are you <laughs> going to fly unlimited? Is that what you're trying to say? Yep. <laughs> you know, I got to tell you, there's a, really, really, there's a potential to be a shit show for me. We'll see how it goes. Because I, I, I can't, I can zero. I highly doubt airplane. that. Well, we'll see. You never know. Well, I guess go like, go harder, zero harder. Is that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just yeah. going to try to psych people out. That's all. That's what there my game plan is. <laughs> Well, you know, it's not, it's not easy, right? No, it's not. No. It's hard. It is. It's really hard. It is. You have to fly a lot. Um, So how many flights are you guys doing a day? Yeah. uh, Say say again? I thought all it took was unlimited money. I thought it was easy after that. Right. (laughs) The planes fly themselves. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's so easy. Yeah. So Olivier or, or Jim, how do you how did your training day go? Like you guys wake up, sure you have some sequences in mind of what you're going to do, or do you work on individual figures or like a sh- one, two, or three figures together? Like, what's the typical? How's your style as far as training? Uh, we start like, with how do you teach? First. Yeah, ah, we, we said we start with cocaine. We decide. Oh, we adapt because on the beginning of the season is not the same. We're more focused on the individual figures, but when we are close to the contest, we're gonna uh, do more sequences. And uh, yeah, it's, we don't have the same way. Uh, depending of you need to have a peak of performance for the contest, so you yeah. manage the training for that. You know, I are you can talk. I can talk to what it's like to work with Olivier, and I think the because I learned some things that are really important, and they've affected how I how I coach people, how I talk about aerobatics have been pretty fundamental to me. Uh, one of them is um, Olivier, when we first started working together, Olivier is very compassionate uh, about pilots and what they're trying to do and how hard it is. And he creates, uh, he really is very careful about creating um, a challenge that's appropriate. And um, and he, he doesn't try and overdo it. He doesn't try and, he will never, never tell you that you're being a wimp. That's not his style. His style is to find something you can work with. So we might do six or seven figure sequences. We might stick so with he's not Russian. Yeah, so it might not do a lot of negative, but then as time goes on, you do more and more, and you don't even notice it. Sometimes the buildup. Okay, now we're doing harder things. And you look back, and you know it's harder. And then also, if you have a, if you make a mistake, Olivia is very good about giving you room to to sort out the mistake and without having the the challenge of a big sequence that you're trying to get through. There's no point in trying to do a sequence if you aren't ready for a figure. 
the figure has to make sense a first, great right? fit for me so kind of you kind of work on all the some of the things in isolation sometimes and then also another thing olivia has been very good about is air speeds when i first started working with olivia i had no sense of how fast i should be and it's kind of like what it's like now in the mx from flying too fast i was flying the extra too fast trying to show too much smash trying to do what other pilots thought was right and olivia taught me how what I think is really the French approach, which is the the right airspeed for every figure. And if you don't know that, you're not going to have great success at the Worlds or at Nationals. So that's those are some things I got from Olivier directly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, your Nationals flights, definitely, you, you flew differently, and I liked it. It was it was just a lot more and, condensed. Oh, it was ama- amazing flying. Well, it helps to have nothing to live for. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, my God, Jim. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> And that's the podcast, Jesus. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On that note. Yeah. Um, is Olivia going to fly nationals? Because I just might throw myself off a building at that point. No. No, I'm the twin. Thank God. So, no. Thank God. Every he year does. that he's come with me to nationals, the guys that fly unlimited have tried to get, convince him to fly against yeah. me. I think that's really funny that they that that's going to happen. So, <laughs> I mean, it's adorable, but no, he's not going to fly against me. That would be ridiculous. Yeah, it sounds Thank like you. there's an SC available to rent. Uh, sure. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we all know he beat me. There's no question he's going to beat me. So it's like, uh, what's the what's the point? He's and he's by the way, he's the national champion. He was national champion in France a while back. He was national champion of Spain this year. Yep. How did the Spain gotten, thing come about? Why are you Spanish? You can't just switch regions and, and nationalities. Yeah, because I'm half Spanish, half French, and uh, it is what it is. You know, I feel great in Spain, and it's, yeah, I have my family as well from Spain, so it is what it is, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I guess it's so. It's really good when we go to a Mexican restaurant. <laughs> Can you spoil <laughs> He's really handy. <laughs> yeah, he can. He orders really well. Yeah, no <laughs> you can fly really well and order really well. That's good. That's good. Well, yeah, he, he's humble. You know, he, he was second place at the Worlds, which not very many people obviously have done. Who didn't quite get first, but I think he was second place and third place. He's come second place to the four minute free a couple times, maybe. I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, I won the World Air Games. Yeah, the World Air Games. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. Olivier's name has been in the lexicon of of the top ranked pilots on on the planet. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. No, Olivier is in my highlight reel for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, he's not Olivier. full of himself. He's only like three quarters of himself. Oh, I love it. <laughs> 80% full. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, Olivia, what was it like uh, with like the prospect? Because you were coaching Jim before he had the MXS and you were coaching him in the 330 SE, to which you're extremely familiar with. What was that dynamic like of having him switch to a new airplane and then? You having to kind of switch your coaching style, or not maybe not coaching style, but like how you coach somebody in a different coach. airplane uh, to yeah, which you're so approach. used to. Yeah, your approach. Um, obviously, yeah. needed to fly the airplane, but how did you guys kind of come together and create a game plan? It's a challenge, you know, and what is good is to have new challenge, like to optimize the MX, and I can fly the MX as well. So it's, uh, it's very interesting to adapt because it's a way to learn new figures, new way of of teaching, you know, and uh, that's a very nice and great challenge for me. Yeah, yeah. it seems like it. It is. What was the biggest, was there a, a like a, a major single hurdle or a, a thing that you guys are, are continuing to work on to where you're having trouble articulating the coaching style and Jim is having articulating 
uh, having trouble articulating the flying style? Like, is there are there hiccups? I mean, obviously there's small uh, hiccups, but is there a major hiccup between your knowledge of the SC and and kind of learning the MX and and Jim's flying the SC? I know it's a plane. Uh, even if we get to three two, three thirty or Sukhoi, you know it's it remains plain. So we just have to adapt. But it's not big big change. It, it's you have to adapt, but it's it's manageable. You know what I mean. He's yeah, he's very yeah. good. He's very very easy to listen to, very easy to talk to, and pleasant to hang out with. The biggest complaint that I have about Olivier is when we play pickleball, he hits the ball really hard right at my feet because he has a lot of tennis <laughs> skills. And I keep telling him I I can't pass the paddle through my foot to return the ball. Please stop hitting it. <laughs> he's very accurate, and he'll whack that ball right at my toes like every single time. That's the biggest problem I have with him so far as a coach. <laughs> you know what? You've heard if that's pickleball. the biggest problem, <laughs> you guys are doing pretty good. Yeah, I'm gonna start playing pickleball at this point. Yeah, <laughs> no, he's, <laughs> he's yeah. There's Livy's there, very good about. Um, I mean, we agree. So one first thing I say is I've never heard him say something that I thought he's out to lunch. And I've also coached a lot, and so is he. He's great, just a great coach, a lot of experience. But I know what it's like to have a, a person in the air that you're trying to reach to help who is resistant. It's it's horrible. It's a horrible feeling as a coach. So I try to never give him that. Sometimes my ego, ego gets the best of me because I'm a human being. But sometimes I'm disappointed in myself. Those things happen, of course. But right. Olivia understands that sometimes people can't, you know, they can't deal with it. And he's very good about finding a way to reach people. And he never has a hard word for anybody. It's just... It's just uh, easy to work with him. And he's so excited. He's so enthusiastic. That comes through when we're flying. He's just, if, if there's any kind of success, he's just uh, joyful over it. Well, and so that, that probably instills confidence in you. Yeah. I mean, I think he's confident in me and that helps us to have someone on the ground who feels confident is, it does make me feel really confident. Uh, you need that when you're, when you're in the air and it, frankly, it's sometimes scary or it's overwhelming and you're just dis disappointed in yourself and you're, you know, you've, you're tired. And to have somebody on the ground who feels like, who makes you feel like you can do this is yeah. really big. Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine the the amount of pilots in this country and other countries that are training in the coach, coachy environment, training for a high level of competition, such as yourself, the, uh, you know, the percentage of living in insecurity while flying is probably high. Um, yeah. and to have the, to have somebody kind of, you know, on the ground, back up the confidence, or at least give you a little bit of a, you know, encouragement or, you know, <laughs> having some positive words, that's, that's huge. Without, you know, without giving you false confidence too, because he's very good about making no. sure that you're, that you're realistic. Go ahead. Well, it's like sure. in tennis, you know, in tennis, you'll be the team, you have the, you have the player, you have the trainer, you have a physical, a mental coach as well, you know, so you need to be the team if you want to improve quickly and to... To be better, you know what I mean. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Olivier says that that I'm a lion, and that uh, I have to be careful for hyenas. That's one of the things he taught me that we have to be a pack of lions. <laughs> what and the, the hell? People does that like mean? Jeff Petroselli, who are trying to tell me not to fly unlimited, those are hyenas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I should yeah. never pay attention to the hyenas. <laughs> No, I'm telling you for a different reason. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I'm trying to get somebody who's got the flu to hang out with Rob like a week before nationals. I'm trying to make that happen. <laughs> you will be, if you, if you give Rob run for his money with the flu, I would be very, very impressed. No, Jeff, like, you know just, what? I, yeah. no, you, I've got it. You, you have to uh, figure out how to get an emergency AD on the MXS. 
you know, that's, like, that's true, you, you got to get some, uh, some motor mount issues like on the, uh, the S bomb, right. you know, all of them uh, yeah. before my serial number have to have yeah. a emergency. AD. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Rob will hop in like, Oh my God, poor, like, I don't know if Olivia yeah. knows, but like at Oshkosh that like, I think RJ Gritter was flying at the Cathlon, but he was like a bar of the Cathlon and yeah. Man, he was flying that thing like it owed him money. Oh, he yeah. He he flew the brakes off that thing. I was like, that poor owner is just gonna get yeah. that airplane back. What did you hand? What are you giving me back after your flight? Yeah. Like, what is this? Yeah, but um. So uh, Olivier, uh, what was that team that you were flying for? It, it was like a white and orange airplane. Because I'm fascinated by the French clubs and how they give opportunity for for people to fly unlimited and advanced and. And all these different aircraft, but I was—I never really knew too much about that white and orange club in France. Uh, how can I say that? They build a system to learn aerobatics very well made, so you can uh, you can improve really quickly. That's the yeah. key because we are as well the captain, which is a very nice aircraft to learn aerobatics, and so. Yeah, the French system to run aerobatics is really well made, honestly. Very well made. You need licenses, right? At at certain levels, there's like two or three different licenses to to get up to the SC within aerobatics only. Uh, But when you you have to jump on the SC, you are ready for that. You know, you have club, of course, you can wait on aircraft. And uh, so it's a different way of, of doing aerobatics, but... When you go, when you have to go on SC, you are ready for that. Okay. And you will not do, for example, uh, you know, all the figures, the, the rollers, all the snaps, more or less. So, you know, you have a good process for each figure. So when you go to the 330, you're going to improve very quickly. Yeah. So you flew, oh. they were asking about the white and orange airplane. What club was that? The white and orange uh, 330 SC? So it's not. Yeah, the white, the white one with the orange and black. No, what what extra did you fly? Ah, you mean the remember, remember the extra? Remember the extra? Ah, it's a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, time ago. Uh, I wish yeah. I was that cool. Not remember? Yeah, it was remember? a BRB. Yeah, it was orange, <laughs> black. But I flew before on the Lubeck cell. It was the yellow because I, I flew on a lot of extra. You know, I flew yeah. on the Lubeck cell first. It was the yellow and blue. the blue and the which, gray, yeah. which Mario just bought. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Did you beat and the then, shit out of that airplane? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah. And, and then what Olivia was talking about is the French system a little bit, and I've I've seen that firsthand. And if we could find a way to copy what they do and do it here, we'd be so much better off because they just yeah. aren't trying to teach themselves. They they have a, a program that steps them through and takes them through everything they need to know. And like he said, by the time you're flying at his level, you already you're not figuring out how to do it. You already know how to do it. You're not even in that system flying at the unlimited level. Unless you already know how to do it, they have a really good body of knowledge there that we don't have. Yeah, Olivier, who was your, who was the coach that or trainer that you can look back on that highlighted your career, like, or made an impact, or like super important to you? Who, who, what coach helped you the most? What you, question, that, yeah. that that might be a hard question to feel like you could answer because every coach is different. I have uh, what well, the, the good point is. I I train with Coco, Claude Bessia, with Patrick Paris, Eric Vazay, Xavier de la Pavan, uh, Eddie Dussault, uh, Sylvie Breton, Nicolas Nikitiuk, the Russian system. A little bit with oh Gaston, my god, so. 
So it's very interesting because you can get yes. all the feedback, you have it everywhere. And even as a coach, it's very interesting to, to build your own way of coaching. Everybody you've just listed is on like the aerobatic board. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, that's like... That's like the that's like the uh, the best the U.S. basketball team when he used to just spank the world like with Michael you know Jordan yeah. Ewing and it's like the greatest coaches in work? the world. It was in Spain, right? What My was your first work was in Spain, two thousand seven. Two thousand seven was your first one. Yeah. So that's sixteen years. You've been flying unlimited. Yeah. Or you were flying oh, unlimited gosh. before that, but not at the WAP level. Or when did you? No, start? no, no. I was qualified because you have a qualification to be unlimited in France. Not like yeah. He, yeah, I mean, yeah. I was qualified in 2005 and 2006. The cap were grounded because we have a problem with uh, the course. Yeah. They were grounded, so we started again in 2007. Yeah. Yeah. Who was your biggest opponent? Like, who did you want to beat the most? Oh, good question. At any time. Uh, I don't know. You have plenty of very fantastic pilots. Uh, yeah. But the one I want to beat the most is myself. That's... <laughs> That's a great political answer, and I don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I asked. I mean, I mean, in a way that uh, at the end, you know, it's a fight between yourself because you want to do yeah. your best, and it's really difficult to to be able to give your best at the contest for the last unknown, you know, or for doing all the contests. So at the end, it's for that, it's yeah. a very tough and interesting challenge to learn more about yourself and to improve. You know what I mean? Yeah. The thing about yeah. me and Olivier is that we don't make the contest personal because we hate everyone equally. Yeah, that's I a like smart that. way to go about we it. Hate, we hate them all, so it's hate not personal. Yeah. I hope you get the flu. <laughs> 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 you know, but really, honestly, um, that's one of the things about Olivier that that uh, makes him such a good fit for me is I like, and this is I'm not being I'm not being ridiculous here. I like everybody. I like I like people that are pricks. I like I think they're funny. I like people that are difficult to like. I just like a lot of people. And I don't really um, get mad at people when they're competing against me. I don't try to ruin their day or make them, you know, uh, question their existence. I just try and have a good time flying. And it's been a journey for me because I wasn't always as mature, you know, about this as I am now, I guess. But Olivia is a good fit for me because we don't talk about anybody. We don't care to. We're just busy flying. And that's what I like to do the most. When I started coaching the advanced team, I sat down with everybody and said, hey, tell me who your nemesis is. Because I think it's okay to have one. I'm not really against it. You know, and if you have one, you better speak to it. Because by talking about it, it gets better. You don't need to hurt that person. And it is kind of a distraction. So I, I, yeah. one of the things I like about Olivier is we're not distracted by those things. If we go to the nationals together and there's drama, we don't really get involved in it. We just kind of walk away and do our own thing and come back and get ready to fly. That's how we deal with it. Yeah, that's what you know. Get, that's the hyena thing that I was joking about. That's what that's about. Is we're trying not to get caught up with the hyenas. That's true. I mean, I, I don't. Like I talk to Mark about it all the time on the podcast, and you know, to be able to just pay a, I think it's a small fee relative, and to show up and have this whole contest set up and and have a great time flying. Like, how could you really complain that much at the end of the day? Like, yeah. Well, you know, a, you get. It's funny. I'm and I'm not. Uh, I want to be careful how I say this stuff, but. I, as when I when I first started flying competitions, I had more to complain about than I do now. I have more on the line now, in all kinds of ways. But the complaints that I have are, you know, I've been keeping myself most of the time. It's just I think there's something about when it's new. Every contest has a you know a lot of impact, and 
you don't have the poise maybe that you start that you need to have eventually you, get, you grow into that that's what being competitor is like for anybody in any sport and you know having yeah. with Livia who's been doing it for so long and so successful I think it's it's been a good model for me Olivia, are you going to continue flying Unlimited in Spain and France? And I guess you're probably going to be German in 2025. And, <laughs> you know, be... it's going to Brazil. He's going to be like a yeah. world tour. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we gonna... because I like to fly. Yeah, and it's a good way to, to improve, uh, like I said, you know. And, uh, yeah, normally next year I will do the, the work. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I feel like Olivia has got to show up and his plane's going to be painted like the U.N., <laughs> the white helmet. We are the world. <laughs> yeah. a blue oh, helmet. Whatever they have, we'll have one of the UN, the UN helmets. You know, the the UN soldiers always have. Is a oh yeah. Body, yeah, whatever. yeah, I can't remember. What team? What team did you like being on better? The Spanish team where you're drinking sangrias all day, oh, or the uh, the French team where you're getting whipped with French bread? He can't answer that. <laughs> These, they're gonna they're gonna ask you a lot of dangerous questions. Yeah, That's what dangerous question. I mean, long story. Very long story, and uh, there's a French sniper like that's gonna. He likes paella better. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> paella, paella Good or answer. Croissant. Which is better? It depends on the day. Okay, baguette or baguette. Uh, taco? A taco. A taco with baguette. Okay, a baguette. Oh, you really screw with the French and show up with a croissant dressed as a taco. Yeah, I'm not even sure tacos are Spanish. That's Mexican anyway. Oh, so yeah. it's already ridiculous. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Empanadas? No, is empanadas? What's it's Empanadas, empanadas? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Si. Si es que tienes empanada. Yeah. Oh, gosh. What was that? This podcast just right? got way sexier. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, 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 man. On peut parler un petit peu en français. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. I, I wish I knew what he said so I could respond. Well, we have this matter. whole idea. Just, I was going to pretend so I was translating for him and do a fake French, and then he would tell me what he said. <laughs> we practiced oh, it a little God. bit, but we decided not to do it. Well, next time. Yeah, we'll do it next time. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, you can't just speak French. I can't translate. Yeah, but you just read this. He says that oh. he, he likes to kill frogs and he's yeah. addicted to cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And he hates gluten. Yeah. He hates, hates gluten. <laughs> yeah. Gluten. Oh. <laughs> um, what should we call it? So back to this MX thing, and you know, there's a lot of stuff going on with this extra, uh, with this new SX. What do you guys have what have you been saying about it, this new extra SX? I kind of Mark and I went pretty hard on it. We're not really a big fan of it yet. Well, I, I, I mean, we're you're, all you're going to get from us is speculation because we haven't flown it. Um, yeah, uh, uh, Libya hopes to fly it, and I wouldn't want to. We wouldn't want to say anything to you know. Uh, it's not. It's not about. Um, I mean, fly it. Extra makes look. Extra makes really good stuff. Um, I, I like their stuff. I'm right now. I mean, I'm a lot happier with what the MX is able to do. And yeah. the SX is sort of to me going in the direction that I would have gone if I had continued with the extra. We had talked about making a, a shortened fuselage for it and trying to tighten up the the inertia. Of it, um, but that's a big project, and we didn't do it. And I decided to do the MX. But if I were going to continue with the steel trust kind of aircraft with fabric and you know that kind of approach, I think that's a, a logical way for the design to go. And um, I mean, I was a little surprised, probably like everybody, that there wasn't a composite, uh, a new composite single seater. Yes, yeah, right. But and, and- you know, I, I, from an engineering perspective, I can I can see the value of um, refining the design. 
and you know doing what you can with it without having to make go through all that expense right now. That makes sense. So that's I mean, I, I, and there's a customer base for me. They've already proven they've sold airplanes. Now they've sold SXs. I know someone bought one. So yeah, they're selling airplanes. Yeah, Freeman's the the launch customer for it. Yeah, uh, he'll be he'll be great. Um, and and to be fair, to clarify, I don't I don't think we were like hard on the airplane in terms of like, I mean, obviously it's an extra. You know, the extra is like uh, I don't know, like a Snickers bar. Like it's it's you know you know exactly what you're getting. It's it, every extra has some extra uh, DNA. You're you're it, it's a they're beautiful airplanes. They're the winningest pedigree of any airplane ever made. You know, nobody yeah. can fault extra at all in any yeah. any aspect in terms of. What they do, what they build, how they fly, their safety record—they're all—it's all phenomenal. It's just more of like, um, you know, going back to how you and 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 you have a relationship with uh, MX and being able to sure. make these tweaks. You know, the the SC has such a lineage, and it's got. I mean, we we talked about it. it's like was it twenty six years since the, I, I forgot how old it is, but it's somewhere around there. Um, no, it's not know, that old. No, twenty two years, like fifteen years. Yeah, I thought it was older than that. No, but that, look, um, you know, um, uh, I, I guess I just want to say that um, the extra has a, has beautiful handling. It's very yeah. considerate of the pilot in that way. Um, it does. It isn't the best ergonomic airplane. It isn't the most convenient. It isn't the best performant airplane. But it's yeah. uh, the, probably the one that's the most accessible for for an unlimited aircraft. It's the most accessible airplane that's out there, and that's a, a huge strength for it. And the SX is probably going to handle very, very well because there's no reason they wouldn't make it handle well. And you know, the ergonomics are slightly better, I guess, as well. Yeah, they could be. I don't really know. I mean, you know, we'll have more time to play with it. And hopefully I get to fly one. This is a really small industry. I like everybody in it. And I think we've had these conversations before about airplanes. And I've always told you I like them all. I like I just yeah. like all airplanes. And, I, and anybody who takes the trouble to make a design, I, I have an idea of how hard that is. And yeah. I know you do too. But I mean, I, but I really have a lot of respect for anybody who, who goes through that. It's just... I remember uh, years ago, long time ago. I'm telling uh, sometimes I tell too many stories, but you know, I had a competitor who made a flight simulator competitive with my own, and I saw him at a trade show. I looked at him and said, "Hey, you know, I just got to tell you, I know what it's like to give birth to one of these products, and I, I know you've been through it, and I just want to congratulate you for for doing it." And it was really heartfelt, and he was surprised I said that. Of course, he wanted to take business away, but that's okay. I mean, that's what you do. You know, that's 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 the game you're playing, and you're trying to make the product the best it can be, but. It's just yeah. so hard to do. So few people get it done that I never want to make someone feel bad about that kind of effort. So I wouldn't That's want to fair. say anything. Even if I didn't like it, I wouldn't probably come in and tell anything about it because this wouldn't be the strategy I want to go with. You know, I'm sure it's going to be a good airplane though. Well, it can't. It, I don't think. Yeah. It, I don't think it'll be a bad airplane. It certainly wouldn't be a bust. Uh, I. It's no. more of just. You know, uh, I, I like to. This is the air, airplane geek in me, but we yeah. talk a lot about kind of where the future is going and. Um, and I'm not even, this, this isn't biased because you guys are on the, po- you're on the podcast and, and, and yeah. Libby is on the podcast. We've had Rob on the podcast. We've had other MX, uh, owners and yeah. practitioners on the podcast, but, um, it just seems like MX in terms of an unlimited airplane, um, where, the, where the flight envelope flight characteristics, um, you know, 3d and 4d, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, maneuverability is going. Uh, MX has such an yeah. edge on everybody yeah. else, and even it, X, extra would be pro, uh, second because they're the only other ones really manufacturing an airplane of that caliber. I mean, ga- you wouldn't put Gamebird in that category. You know, Caps and Sukhois are, are old, although highly capable, extremely capable still, very relevant airplanes. But in terms of the future, like what does twenty years look like? Um, well, I, it's I can, interesting I to see the SX. Of, yeah, I'll give you a thought on that, which is that uh, MX um, uh, can improve 
on its on the I would just use the word accessibility, like how accessible it is to a pilot who's flying unlimited aerobatics for the first time. MX can improve on that, and extra can improve on its maneuverability. And you're seeing both companies doing that. And I'm help. I'm trying my best to help MX make a more accessible product because it has the performance. It has it already has a com- all composite structure. It's mm-hmm. lighter. It has tons and tons of advantages. It's already and you know, frankly, it's it's my favorite aircraft, right? It just yeah. is. So it's got great bones. So me, it's a great, the, it's a great the, platform. Yeah, it's a, it has a small hole that can be improved on. So we work on that. And meanwhile, Extra's looking at it going, okay, we have the best selling product, and it's um, it's everybody can fly it. Everybody knows how to fly it. Everybody's already figured out how to do it, how to fly it the best that can be flown. Now, how can we make it perform a little better? So it's just yeah. two companies working on their, you know, on making their product better. And then, and the twenty years from now. I would imagine we're going to have, you know, MX will have will be in the game. It will have a, a little bit lighter and, a, a, you know, even more maneuverable aircraft. It'll have um, the best whatever latest engine technology is. We'll have it in there. It might be some other things, that little things they're working on that that wouldn't want to, you know, wouldn't want to give you clues about. But it'll be making trying to make the very best aircraft it possibly can. I'm sure extra be doing the same thing. Yeah. So are there any plans I, for MX to come to the states and produce? Say that again. Are there any plans for MX to come to the United States and produce here? No, MX. Jack. Jack is. Um, Jack would be an interesting person for you to interview. By the way, the owner of It'd MX is. He's an. He's an yeah. Aussie. He likes it there. He's got his headquarters there in Perth. They build aircraft there. Um, there, the actual parts are made in Scapoose, Oregon, about eighty miles mm-hmm. north of where I'm sitting right now, and they get they take take them over to Australia, then bring it back here, which I know sounds wasteful, but it's not as bad as it sounds because he throws a bunch of parts onto a container and takes it over there and. You know the cost is sort of uh, spread out, and um, you know, I, but I, he's not moving. To the, he's he's very happy to own the company. He's the right guy to own the company for sure. I, I just spent a lot of time with the AirVenture, and he's the guy. So I'm not worried about that. It's just you know, I mean, just going to build an airplane over there, and and if you build if you order an airplane right now, you can. You'll get it in a couple of years. It'll just come out of Australia. That's it. I remember when uh, we had you on the podcast uh, uh, last. I think I had asked the question then, or it, may, it might have even been the episode before. We've had you on a couple of times, and I, I can't remember exactly when I asked. But um, curious again, because you seem to to kind of um, plant roots in, in, you know, you're very um, uh, business-minded. You, you like to you kind of get into something, invest, or or see how you can make something better. That seems to be your, your MO for sure. And I had an idea, or at least I had hopes. Maybe it was the wishful thinking that when you buy an M- with you buying an MX, that you were going to maybe plant plant a foot inside MX and try to maybe grow the company because you know it's a niche. It's to call it even an aircraft manufacturer might even be um, yeah. uh, I, I don't know um, maybe exaggerated, right? It's a niche. It's a niche brand. It's it, yeah. So, are there any plans for you uh, to to grow the the company, or is there plans to manufacture more airplanes per year eventually? Yeah, they're, they're, we're talking about those kinds of things. Uh, the, the, there's a sort of there's a thing that they call the competency crisis. I don't know if you've heard it put that way, but there's a shortage of people who are able to do things. That's that every business is facing. Absolutely, skilled labor shortage. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, the labor shortage. It's a, they call it a competency shortage. You can get people, but you have to get people who know how to do things too. <laughs> so that's the problem. And I face it. A couple of my companies. And um, that's really going to hold back any manufacturer right now who's trying to do a high-end product because you need laborers that also can be creative and and know how to do things. We lost a lot of those, those people, and we're still losing them. They're coming. They're going out away from all the industries, and we have yeah. trouble staffing them. So my point here is this is a long answer, but my point here is that you are 
you know, you're, it's a not, you're swimming upstream to try and make a company that can make 30 aircraft a year. It's very hard to do that right now, yeah. unless you have the, the, the engineering wherewithal to make it a really step-by-step process. MX can, can produce several aircraft a year. They've got, I think he's at eight in development right now. So they're, they're getting orders in. I, I, we did have a, I did sell one aircraft. It's, um, uh, an MXS can be delivered in a couple of years. There are people contacting me that want one. It, there will be at some point there will be a backup because you know, right now they're, they're moving through them pretty quick, but it'll be hard to keep making a lot of aircraft, but that's a growing pain. They'll get, if they keep getting orders like they are, they'll get past that and they'll end up be able to make more aircraft a year. They just have to find the right people to help them do it. And I, and I did talk to about maybe assembling aircraft here in the U.S. That's a possibility, but I don't think it's going to make it cheaper. It's just a matter of trying to you know spread out the labor so we get some more aircraft built. Got it. Makes sense. Yeah, it's not really an investment, by the way. This is something I really enjoy doing, and I, you know, I'm, if I break even on my aviation stuff, I'm doing better than anybody else. So I don't. I'm not. It is kind of investment. It's an investment of time and love. You know, resources. Yeah. And I don't want to. I didn't want to make it seem like you have invested in the company as an investor. Right. It was more I'm just, just a customer. Yeah, and and you yeah. you just seem to like your your uh, excitement seems to to yeah. you. I mean, and I I can I totally empathize and understand with that because it's like you 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 like something so much. It's like oh man, how do I make this better? And and you're very I mean, much of that 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 ilk, you know. Yeah, this is this is pretty cool. I mean, who wouldn't want to be doing what I'm doing with this thing? It's really cool. Super cool. It's super try, innovative. Try on, yeah, to try on uh, different control surfaces is just, it's like my little inner child is so happy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So how long are you guys training together for? So right now, he'll be here until this Saturday. Uh, so we got another three days together. How and long has it been? he'll go back to Spain. France, Spance, whatever, and then he'll come Spance. back you know, two weeks before the Nationals, and we'll fly for a couple weeks together before Nationals. And he'll stay with me through Nationals as well, which is nice. That's awesome, God. Yeah, yeah. You guys have, you seem to have a really cohesive uh, relationship. Like you're, you're friends. You hang out, coach, coachy. Um, that's that's really cool. We've only gotten mad at each other a couple of times, and it was all about pickleball. <laughs> <laughs> I'm That's just going to leave pickleball paddles in your plane before you fly, just to throw you <laughs> off the game. As you're getting into your plane, I'm going to hit pickleballs at your feet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So you guys said you you uh, came back from Union City. Um, was there a full camp there? Was was Rob there? Was um... no uh, uh, no? We actually actually Rob had a camp that started on the weekend. We were trying to get out of there for Rob so that he could have his camp uh, without us hanging around. We had. Um, we we met Jack there at Full Stop Aviation in Union City and uh, had a great time hanging out with Justin Wright, who owns that company, yep. and Jack. And we took the ailerons off of, uh, I think, four different MXs um, and made a bunch of comparisons to make sure that the aileron that uh, Alon Aguaya was getting in his MX2 matches the spec correctly. Because there's some debate concern over how the, the old factory made the ailerons in the new factory. And we're also chasing down a couple of uh, um, you know issues with my airplane, like how, how the airplane was rigged. Because we were not confident it was rigged the way that the you know aircraft have historically been rigged, uh, some of that information it was it turned out the way it was Jack doing it was exactly correct. We just didn't know that for sure. So we met there and did a bunch of work, and then also did a bunch of tests flying together. Um, I put a different we had a different propeller put on it, and um, just tightened everything up, and you know 
made a new seat, upholstered a seat for it that fits me better. Just things like that while we were over there. We didn't do a lot of flying that in that trip though. Okay. Yeah. A lot of kind of R and D. Um, can you can you speak to the uh, the propeller testing? Because at nationals, you had made mention of like, oh, you know, I might want to buy a prop and I want to try that. And, yeah. and I think I think you're you were maybe even talking about the uh, four blade versus the three blade at the time. But then maybe like, oh, maybe I'll do a hard sell or uh, you know whirlwind. So you've gone through what four prop iterations now? Can you can you elaborate on on how you ended up with the whirlwind and and, and that testing? Yeah, I never tried a four-bladed prop. Matt Dunphy and I were um, doing a, a, a formation flight, and we played with it. I had the three-blade 198-centimeter MT, and Matt had the four-blade. So we did some acceleration tests together while we were flying together and um, just became pretty obvious that the three-blade pulled better uh, at, from a low airspeed. And I wrote down some numbers. I've done a lot of um, you know flight testing and tried to keep good numbers and everything. But then after that, I thought, well, I've got this 198-centimeter MT, I should try a Hartzell Talon. I should try a 203 centimeter MT. I should try the Whirlwind. I should do it all back to back. So right before nationals, I think last year, I put the two and th- I had the 198 centimeter. Uh, well, I had the Talon on. Yeah, I had the Talon on, and it was just very hard to fly some of the figures. Like we we all noticed it. Olivia noticed it from the ground. Like that, that prop is just not pulling you very well. So we is it heavier to too? To the, what's that? Is it heavier too? No, I think the talon is about the same. It's I don't say it's not the cl- claws heavier, but the talon's about okay. the same. Ways, yeah. yeah, but the talon, it's, it just is a, it looks like a very robust prop, and I was really enjoying it. It felt very smooth, felt quiet, but it just was obvious. I did, I did a um, P loop where you do like a, I don't know, like pull vertical two of eight, three quarter opposite, and then you push and do a snap roll and at the top of the P loop. And I just, I really was the trouble. figure from the, yeah. Yeah, I had a lot of trouble with it. And that's where we really noticed that we had a couple of double humpties too. I was like, man, I just cannot really get a clean, you know, a top of this thing. It's really hard. To, it's so slow. So we thought, well, let's try the 198 again. And then somewhere in there, I found a 203 that's for sale. So I bought it and we thought, well, let's just try it out for the day and we'll run some numbers and record the numbers and do it. Because I had done acceleration tests and, you know, all these different tests with it, like, you know, vertical climb and the, with the different props. So we put the 203 on and it was so much better and so obviously better that I didn't even bother with it. The flight test. I was like, okay, we're not even gonna write down the numbers. I'll do it later. It's obviously a better prop. So we left it on for nationals. And until that nationals, I was still on the fence, like, well, I don't know if this is better or not. It's better in some ways. Maybe it's not better. It seems like it's, you know, has has a lot of breaking. Maybe it's not so good in some situations. But then after nationals, I realized now that is the way to go. So I've been recommending the 203 centimeter centimeter MT ever since. And then I ordered a 205 centimeter. Uh, which is even a little bit bigger, hasn't arrived yet. So in the meantime, I, I uh, Rob had a whirlwind that he didn't need anymore. I bought it from him and tried it out. I'm fine with that now. And so far, we both feel like the two and three centimeter MT is probably a little bit more pull, and the two hundred five would be a little better. And for for what I do with unlimited and freestyle, it's all about the the low speed, high thrust, the, the acceleration out of the low speed, you know, out of the pocket. I guess you know that's that's what you need the most. And right now we feel like the 203 is the best and the 205 is the best, but the whirlwind's also really good. And the whirlwind looks a little more, um, like it doesn't look like it's going to crack. So I'm going to keep it on for a while and probably through nationals and just fly that for a little bit, but it's a good prop. I don't know if it's the best yet. It's hard to say. Well, I mean, it That's doesn't a- slang oil. So how good can it be? Yeah. Well, the, the yeah, I got, I've gotten used to that. You know, I, I have like, I probably have like five or six props. I'm not even sure what I have right now. I've got like six or seven mop props. I've got them all over the country and I just, what I do is I get the MTs, they get overhauled, I swap them every year because I got tired of 
you know, hoping I'd make it through nationals with the MT. So I just swap out every year, but that is insane. I shouldn't have to do that. Right. Yeah. So I, I would love to leave. Uh, I hate to say this because I don't want to hurt MT, but you know what? Screw it. Your props, <laughs> the paint cracks and grease goes everywhere. And I and everybody else is tired of it. Nobody yes. likes that about your props. We all like the rest of it. But if you fix that, I would be a happy MT customer. For now, I'm trying to find something that won't do that. That's the reality. I'm trying to see a whirlwind would be better. So they're fantastic props when they things. don't break and slang oil. That's for sure. Yeah. They are yeah. they are they they're light and very good props. And what matters world day is what you can do in the air. So I, I would I yeah. will use them if I have to just deal with it. I'll just deal with it. But I'd, I'd like to see if the whirlwind will work as well. Yeah. And a good well, price whirlwind too. Has a whole new hub too, isn't that that whole new design that they did? Yeah, I have the Macaulay. I think it's Macaulay hub that they use. I don't have the new hub on my whirlwind. Yeah, they did an in-house hub, I think. Right. I've heard that. I haven't seen that. Yeah. Uh, I, I bought a I bought a used prop from Rob. I don't. It's yeah. just same blades, I guess. I wouldn't trust it. No, I, I'm just gonna say. <laughs> Well, yeah, you can hear Van Halen in the hangar very quietly if you listen real hard. <laughs> yeah, if you put that prop up to your ear instead of the ocean, you'll hear just a little bit of like electric guitar. Yeah. <laughs> you hear somebody eating gummy bears. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. No, no, it just seems like a good. It's a, it's a pretty. Uh, honestly, it's a pretty quiet prop. I would think it's, from the cockpit, it seems quiet. Is it quiet on the ground? The, the whirlwind, or is it noisy? Uh, maybe it is a little bit less noisy because the MT is really noisy. Yeah, the, the MT is more noisy. Is yeah. Hmm. So yeah, and, uh, maybe a little quieter. It's definitely it's uh, it definitely is performing better than the talent. The talent has been the worst of the group, but also a good prop. If you're not flying unlimited doing what I'm doing, it's fine. That's a bulletproof yeah. prop that'll last forever. Seems like it. Yeah. Yeah. What's the maintenance uh, yearly for the whirlwind? Is it isn't there something within the uh, where it's got to get sent back ever so often? I don't even know. I'm sure it does. I mean, I just am so used to having two props that I use and swapping them out that I'd probably just buy another one and and just you know keep keep one on the plane, the other one in overhaul. Yeah, you know, every two years, every one year, whatever it takes. It's just like that. It's part of the expense of having these airplanes to me. Yeah, yeah, kind of an operational cost. Kind of is, and you have to have a propeller. <laughs> yeah, that's kind yeah. of important. Speaking yeah. of that, if like, you fly a lot, you're going to beat it up. If you, I mean, if you, if you find a couple hundred hours of hard aerobatics and and uh, and freestyle and air show stuff, you're not you're yeah. just your propeller is going through a lot. Well, yeah. uh, and on that note, like um, uh, for you know owning the MX as long as you have so far, I mean, I know you, I this isn't to try to get you into talking about uh, weak points or issues, but have there been any things or are the things that you know from the uh, your experience with the 330 SC of, of, you know, kind of pain points of like, Hey, you know what? I need to look at this a little more often than, than maybe uh, this other component, or um, this, this tends to be a thing that maybe wears out faster. Have there been things on the MX that you notice kind of like, Oh, you know what? Maybe I, I need to kind of just, I, I need to watch this a little bit, a little bit more than, than maybe I did on the extra vice versa. Yeah, or anything the, like that? the um, there has been a, um, there's a collector for the exhaust and a, um, the oil breather line goes in there. It doesn't have a tube, which I mean, is a better system than the extra. The extra has a tube goes all the way back to the tail. And, yeah, and terrible system. Decided, yeah, they decided to have all the oil drizzle onto your tailwheel. I've never understood yeah. that, that decision. But but even uh, better when that tube do, cracks, yeah, uh, because it's rubbing on the on the fuselage tubing and then drips oil yeah. inside. That's even better. Yeah, but instead of the MX, it goes into the exhaust, and that the weld that is broken twice. So that's okay. an area we just now 
maybe just take the cal off and take a look. And it looks like it's basically the same way that Sky Dynamics did it with Dynamics and now making their own exhaust and sort of um, reference the Sky Dynamics design, but for whatever reason that you know those weld points just aren't as strong. There's, I mean, a couple of little things like that. Um, there's a plenum on the MX and one of the fasteners came loose and and uh, put a small uh, divot, a hole on the top of the cal. That's a little bit annoying. Um, they had, you know, the extra had some things like that too in my first year. Had to shake it out too. It's not really sure. different, but different things. And any anytime you're moving to an aircraft, you're going to find stuff like that. You got to be careful, of course. But um, but I would, you know, overall, it's such a convenient airplane. I'm not going to just run through the list of reasons why it's so much more convenient that I, I notice every single day that I fly it. For one thing, I don't have to have the stupid uh, fuel caps. I have normal fuel caps on it. That right there is really nice. Oh, you, you, you wait. You, are you saying that you don't like the boat fuel caps? <laughs> no, I don't. You can why go to West Marine and replace them. Yeah. Why do I need to take a challenge point with me to change my, to put fuel in it? And I, and I don't like having, having to use a screwdriver open an oil door. I mean, I have a normal, yep. like a, you know, a, uh, oil door on the MX that's way better, and way you know, better. um, and you know, I mean, there's there's a lot of things like that that I just uh, it just seems like such a more convenient airplane, yeah, that's fair. I, yeah, we, it, actually, Libby and I were talking about Libby, Libby lost the fuel cap. I'm he's, he's gonna smack me, we lost <laughs> the fuel cap on the cross country, but it's no big deal, you just buy a new fuel cap, it's like you know, no big deal, it's normal fuel, cap. you don't have to go to a boat store or something like that, it's just a regular yeah. like Air, aircraft spruce, yeah. Olivia, did you like the four blade prop, MT prop? Because I I know for a noise um, in France, a lot of people op, you know have to use them. But is there any any advantage of using the four blade besides noise? Uh, you have a you drag less if your speed is higher than the cruise speed. You drag less, but hmm. you pull less. It's a compromise. You know what I mean? Okay. I'm I'm not following. I got to be honest. What do you what do you mean? Like you you it doesn't pull as much, but what it do you get? It doesn't pull as hard. Yeah. 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 I mean, if you have, for example, you have 100 kilometers per hour to go to the cruise speed, you're gonna you need more time with the four blades. But when you are 400 kilometers per hour, you're gonna lose your speed less with the uh, okay. four blades. Uh, so it carries energy a lot. Well, this yeah. is where this yeah. yeah. So if you go to the four blade, you're going the opposite direction of what I think is best. Because to me, the best thing is to have tremendous amounts of acceleration and braking. And that's what a large diameter propeller gives you is lots of acceleration and lots of braking. And that's that makes it way easier to fly the sequences. Oh, God. Mark, this is way above my pay grade. <laughs> uh, part of you, I, I, man, I, I hope I don't get to, I, don't, I hope I don't have to miss nationals. I just want to be there to well, watch you squirm. If you, have a, if you have a four blade, Jeff, you will have to. Think more ahead because you'll have to be more prepared to accelerate and decelerate than if you can just, you know, slam the throttle forward and backward. I need a one blade at that point. Uh, Well, I wonder like how a whirlwind, you know, I bet a whirlwind would really be beneficial on an SC then. I may try it someday, but maybe not. I don't even know. I mean, it's, it seems like a good propeller. I I like, I tell you what, that two and three centimeter MT, if you can handle the fact that it's MT, it's, it really is amazing. I'm so mad that I put you in touch with my friend that you bought that from, even though you're not acknowledging the fact that I set that whole thing up. But that's I okay. forgot that was you. You were so, you are so, Jim, you're so full of shit. Don't even lie. Jeff wants so much credit right now. Hey, Jeff. 
Yeah. <laughs> hey, Jeff, uh, thank you. Thank you for putting me in touch with someone who had a propeller for sale. You're so welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take I'll, whatever trophy you win at nationals, I will take. That's fine. That's <laughs> payment. <laughs> oh, man. I would love to fly to 203. I like the 198. I think it's a great prop. I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with it. Um, 203 is twice as good. It really is. It's that it's much better? Good. It's Oh, yeah. It was so much better. I mean, it was just oh, night and day. God. Yeah. Olivia, Olivia do what do you think? Do you have this talk in Spain and France? <laughs> Olivia just asked if I'm a dealer for propellers now. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> JB props. <laughs> <laughs> Check my Instagram for yeah. uh, a coupon code for yeah. Whirlwind. No, the next the next time you get an empty prop, it's going to be JB, and it's not going to sling oil, and it's going to work right. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, what can we ask Olivier, Mark? Well, I'm curious. Like uh, Olivier in in France and Spain, flying for the teams respectively. Like, are there are there these conversations with props and 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 things like that because uh, you know with the way flying clubs are structured you, you're kind of you're flying team airplanes um you just i'm not i'm i'm very simple uh, oversimplifying it when i say you just hop in and go but um without owning the airplane and, and thinking about tweaks uh individually do you guys think of of tweaks to the airplane uh, as a team where you can make some changes yeah, it's different because in europe we have uh aircraft certified so we right. can just do a couple of stuff, but you need to have a popular certified and everything. So nah, right. we cannot awesome. do a lot. We would like to because it's very important. I mean, it's part of the game, but yeah. it's difficult, honestly, in Europe for this kind of stuff, except if you have an experimental aircraft, but otherwise you cannot do a lot of stuff. Is there a thing that the yeah. teams do, uh, the European teams do that, like within the confines of uh, EASA and being able to certify, like what's the like the the big thing that everybody wants to change on these airplanes that you can change, if there is anything? Like, I mean, uh, engine, we would like are. to have a, we would like to have an engine more powerful, but we yeah. cannot. Yeah. We would like to change the propeller, but we cannot. Uh, we would like to change the exhaust system if it's not certified. You cannot do it. So. So there's really nothing there. Really can't do much. No, we cannot do, honestly. Yeah. Which speaks really to them to how good they are as pilots. I remember I going to the hangar in Chateau and take, I took my camera. I was like, I can't take a video to see what they've done to the airplanes. They're all stock. It's amazing. Yeah. Maybe some, some P-strip and blocks, and that's about it, I guess. Yeah, that we can do. Yeah, of course. It's a, it's a way of sitting an aircraft, but with not big modification. You know, it's just, uh, yeah, details. Which that is actually, really that really does speak to the to the level of flying. I mean, it is in that regard. You know, it's really up to it's like the purest form of flying, is, is, or, or at least pilotage is the is the purest form of piloting because you're not you're not modifying the airplanes to to meet your desire. It's like you're you're really having to meet the airplane and 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 fly the airplane as it's intended. Yeah, yeah. we did see on one aircraft. We can set the other one. We can say a couple of details, but yeah, we cannot change anything. Wow. Okay. Even for you, Frisa, you know, we cannot do it. Look at Jim's sad face. He's like, he's like, I don't want to live in a place where I can't just modify the crap out of an elevator or you know, <laughs> but 10 and a half to one pistons. Eleven. Oh my god. Yeah. That thing's eleven to one? Eleven to one am I? No, you have a twelve. No, 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 don't have twelve point one. Yeah. Twelve <laughs> When do you put nitrous yeah. on it? More than you have. That's what matters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
So I've what, talked um, about nitrous. How did you? So Jim, how did how did you? Is this a um? Is it a Lycon engine or is it um? Yeah. Okay. It's a Lycon eleven to one with all the whatever the magic sauce the the BS they say they do to it. I did all of it. Yeah. And I I bought a backup engine too just in case. They were asking Jim, do you want and it is yes. Yeah. <laughs> Would you like? No, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you, know, I, you start I, with the cryo treatment and all these other things, and some of those things I believe in, some of the things I just don't know much about. I think they're kind of just not going to make much of a difference. But then you just look at the list, like, ah, it just doesn't matter. It adds some thousands of dollars to it, but it's already such an expensive thing, and you don't want to miss something. But, you know, I think really when people are looking at MXs, I just encourage them to get a 540 Thunderbolt. It just yeah. makes so much more sense. I'm not trying to take business away from Lycon, but it's, you know, a really well put together power plant and you can go the whole, I feel like if you're going to do Lycon, just go for the whole thing. You know, if you're yeah. not going to do all that, I think go for the Thunderbolt. Well, and it seems like, um, and and maybe you can, uh, cause you haven't, you own both, but it, it, it kind of seems like the 540 is better suited um, than the 580 in terms of power to weight. Oh, wow. Especially if you, if, you, if you hop it up. I mean, that's one of the things about the MX that I like so much is that 540, I, I, it burns so much less gas. I'm doing yeah. 200 knots cross country with 14 and a half gallons per hour instead of 19. You That's know, really doing, efficient. 185 knots in the in the extra if, if I had the, the the fastest prop on it, maybe 180 with the bigger prop. But 185 yeah. knots at best at 19 gallons an hour. And I I mean, it's and I did a, a long air back flight today. I only burned like six or seven gallons. It actually is so much more efficient because it's so drag free and I'm off the throttle so much. I'm hardly burning gas. It's weird. Yeah. So the yeah, that's why you can is just a much better match. It's also a lot lighter. You guys probably know it's like, I don't know what it is, but 50 pounds, 60 pounds lighter. So I don't really see a reason to have the 580 at all. And I, I, I'm i sure for extra with a certified aircraft, that makes the most sense. But for me, it makes less. Yeah. I wonder, like, I mean, because they went to the 580 pretty, uh, I mean, a while ago, extra, and have kind of stuck with it. Like, I wonder what a 540 SC would be, like, what it would be like. Well, you know, I bought that extra um, engine, but I bought the two Lycons. And my, I was, I actually had them bolted onto my extra. I was going to fly the extra with the 540 while oh, really? for my MX. That was the plan. But the exhaust, the exhaust is like the 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 mounts are exactly opposite of the 540. The 580, you can't use the 580 exhaust. They're, they're like mm. the mounts are all rotated, the pins in a different spot. So we had to make a new exhaust, and then we had a couple other things didn't quite fit. And, and then I, at the time, I was also um, involved with extra, and I kind of realized, well, Walter's going to wring my neck if I keep modifying extras. You know, I can't do that. So <laughs> I, we we decided not to pursue that. And now, of course, that that still I still um, know those guys. They're, sure. they're not uh, you know, but but I'm not in a business relationship with them anymore. So sure, I'll go back and do it. Oh, I didn't but, hear about uh, that. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But anyway, uh, but, you know, um, I, I thought about doing it again, but that's the reality is it's just that's that's in my path. The relationship with extra is not there. Um, somebody else could try it if they want to. It would be a lot lighter. It moved the CG back maybe too far. You know, I, I did have the CG back really far, and it did not like coming out of a spin if it got flat. I, so I... Just you know, caution anybody before they would go forward and decide to try it, but it would save some weight for sure. Yeah, I wish they would change the rudder pedal setup on extras. Olivier, how much do you hate the rudder pedals on extras? Uh, I get used to it now, you know. So, he's Gosh, Jeff. He he's said just, you're you're being a baby. He's just not a <laughs> negative bone in that man's body. <laughs> 
I'll get it out of him one day. He said he literally said it's fine. Grow up. That's what he said. Yeah. All right. You know, I I think the electric pedal is the best thing ever in the extra. It's one thing I miss. Love it. Being able to run those pedals yeah. out on a cross country is the best thing ever made. Yeah. I love that feature. Great. Yeah. I've actually been flying a a three thirty LT with somebody. Have you you guys ever fly that airplane? Yeah. What do you think of it? Um Jeff, did you choose I, hate today? Are you you're just trying to bait people into hate <laughs> hate speech today? Well, I mean, I can I can give you. I'm not I'm not a huge fan of the LT for the people that I normally associate with. <laughs> I, mean, I think it's a good airplane for somebody who's trying to go places. But there's better aircraft than that. Yeah, you know, to go places. If you're going to have it's uh, sort of like what I said with Lycon. If you're going to pump up an engine, go ahead and get the Lycon. If you're not, yeah, Thunderbolt's good. It's kind of the same thing with this. If you, if you want to go somewhere. There's a lot of airplanes you can choose from. The LT is fast, but it's a good entry level extra. I'll say it's that. a fast airplane to do some basic aerobatics in, I guess. Yeah, like if you want a sporty yeah. go place to uh, a two place go places airplane that can you know do some aerobatics, I guess. But it's it'll it'll yeah it's a it's not a bad airplane. It, it's fun to fly intermediate aerobatics in. It. That's right. I exactly. Yeah. You know, it's it's um it's the Aetherons feel better than I expected. When I remember when I flew it, I was like, oh man, what's this gonna be like? Because I heard a lot of bad things. No, the Aetherons feel really good. The plane handles really well, of course. Yeah. I think it lands the, the really nice too. Um but it's not really what I would I mean, I'm the people I know, like you guys, people I associate with in the IAC and airbag community, that's not the right fit for almost anybody that I know that's looking for an airplane. Yeah, yeah. It's it's hard to put that airplane, it's hard to put anybody into that airplane. I mean, competing, like, you would never drive somebody to an LT, I feel like. Yeah, intermediate would be fine. It's just not going to be – anybody who buys that and is an aerobatic pilot is going to outgrow it so fast. Mm-hmm. It's just not the right. best choice for them. Yeah. Olivia, what's your favorite aerobatic plane right now uh, overall? Like, if you can go into like one that. airplane. Uh, the MXNG. It's coming soon. MXNG. <laughs> <laughs> now that is something I want to see. Oh my god. No, no, no. It's, they all have different characteristics. You know, the twist is the interesting damage. The, as well, you know, the cap 22 is you have less energy, but it's with the, the ending is very nice. The suko is as well, it's it's different, you know, it's good to test each one to know what it is, I think. I feel like your nationality needs to be Swiss at this point. It's very neutral. <laughs> I'll tell you which I think the best <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're Spanish or French. You're Swiss at this point. I don't care what anybody <laughs> says. No, but best. <laughs> I, would, I would like. I use the plane I have. You know what? He I mean? likes everything. The best handling airbag airplane there is is still the pits to me. It is nice. It is it's nice. the best. It's the best Which centering model? airplane no. ever. Is the X one Decathlon? The uh, the Great Lakes is also a really fun airplane <laughs> to fly. Yeah, and a clipwing Taylor Craft. We're just talking about airplanes that aren't MXs and extras for a moment, because I mean, there's some really great airplanes out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the one that the one that has the most balance controls and is the most like the like the one that I would say all the airplanes should everybody wants to make an airplane should fly is the Pitts. Yeah, which model would you say, Jeff? S one. Oh, okay. I like the A, but I've never flown an S one. The A is good airplane, but no, I mean, I just think there's something magical about the good S one. A good S one is is really fun to fly. I lo- I love the S two C. I think the S two C flies flies beautifully. I think it flies way better than the S two B. It's just for the just so that people can experience the rudder alone. 
like the, the rudder authority and the fuselage lift to the knife edge. And um, I mean, it's not, it doesn't perform the best. It doesn't roll the fastest, but it's really easy to feel connected to that airplane. Yeah. 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 Jim, going go, back to your 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 yeah. horsepower and 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 thinking about pits and looking at last year's nationals, it was really fascinating for me as as a as a layperson watching the sequence, especially in advanced. Um, power just there's just no getting around horsepower now. Um, what do you think this year? Do you think this year's nationals is gonna the the landscape wise? Obviously, unlimited team selection, but how do you think it, the the landscape is gonna change, if at all, in terms of what we're going to see aircraft wise in advance and unlimited probably not much you know, change limited, just, but yes these these kinds of things come up a lot i talk about it all day just this one topic but um i'm gonna take your question i'm gonna start a little different direction i was reading um the iac tech tips which used to be published every year or so i don't know and uh, i was reading one from 1972 i think it was and it said in there that in the previous year there have been 26 fatality accidents in in you know aerobatic home builds right and at that time, everybody was flying home built like the pits. You know, that's mm -hmm. what people were flying back then. And um, and now we're in a situation where um, I love, I think it's a great airplane, but you know, we we've forgotten how risky it was for people to be building their own airplanes. And now we have a, a situation where very few people are doing that. Like every year we might have one or two, I don't even know. Let's imagine we have maybe it's five new pits that come into the 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 fleet. Yeah, if it's a build. full handful a year, I'd be shocked, honestly. Yeah, you're, I would be you're right. Yeah. yeah, I would be too. It's basically not happening anymore. And yeah. meanwhile, we have a lot of pits that are still in the market. If you go and look, you get you know a lot of uh, risky airplanes that have been flown hard or weren't probably built the best. Nobody really knows how to, not nobody, but there aren't a lot of people out there who know how to inspect them and see if they're good ones or bad ones. And there's people making decisions to buy airplanes and trust their lives in them that maybe not aren't safe. So we're in an environment now where that is obviously not going to change. And um, that's the trend has been absolutely one direction for a very, very long time. And unless we get a lot of free time in our hands that people want to use to build airplanes again, which is just very unlikely, it's not going to reverse course. So yeah. the fleet is going to, we're going to have fewer and fewer of those airplanes out there. We're seeing that at the nationals. And the good news, though, is that part of the reason we don't have as many of those is because it's not economically necessary like it used to be. You can mm -hmm. now buy really great airplanes. A, a 300L is inexpensive, for extra 300 inexpensive. There's panzels and stalkers on the market that are good, and there's a couple of Cap 232s and even Extreme Airs, the, you know, or SBOC 342s, those kinds of airplanes. Are, yeah, the sub 250,000 category, used category for stuff like that, very capable airplanes. Yeah, and you got to, you know, and I, I had a discussion on, an email list recently, I pointed out that it's um, $375,000 list price on a decathlon right now. And it's, you know, 500 for roughly for an MX. If you look at yeah. the cost differential, it's not that big. And yeah. the, the used market is, is incredible. The, 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 the opportunity we have, the selection that we have available on the, on the used market is insane. If 50 years ago, people would have been unbelievably happy to have at 1972 prices, the aircraft we have available today. So, yeah. It's not like it's worse. It's definitely better. But this, uh, there's a lot of people in the IC that are a little sad that the the composition of the you know is changing. But you have to see that as just that's what there was a time for those airplanes and the market needed them and economically they made the most sense. And now, thankfully, we are not having to trust people to build their own airplanes. We're not facing that risk. We have manufactured yeah. airplanes that have really good service lives and you know actual airworthiness directives and mechanics about how to fix them and. 
that's better for everybody. We have more safety because of it. So it's the way yeah, it's changing. Your What's going to happen over the next few years? I'm going to tell you one prediction is you're going to have some 330 SCs in the market because we're, yeah. we're finally at the point where that um, extra has sold as many of those. They're probably not. That's not true. They're, they sold a lot of them. They sold probably most of what they're going to sell. And there'll be new aircraft in the market. The MX is, a, is one of them is now producing some quantities again. Yep. You're going to have um, used aircraft in the market that are going to be what right now are top of the line. You're going to have especially with the SX out. Yeah, you're going to have access to those, and people are going to be very happy. They're going to be able to buy what what right now is the absolute best aircraft you can possibly buy. They're going to have those for for sale. Used. Yeah. So it's all going to, it's all going to go in that direction because that's the way everything goes. You know, you don't you don't see a lot of 1972 Chevy Novas on the market anymore either. No, just the way it is. Well, and and the amazing part about the SC is, um, you know, having it be 15 years old, uh, you're going to start seeing those. You know, I'm sure AJ's probably going to keep his, but if he doesn't, you know, um, you're going to start seeing, you know, 13, 14, 15, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 year old SCs that are that are maybe, um, you know, they're used, and, but they're going to be an approachable price. But it's the current gold standard, which is, I don't know that we've seen that to where you're going to see a huge cost differential between what is currently being used and granted we're, we're seeing the shift the sx is the new the, the new extra on the block um the sc i'm sure they're going to make it concurrently for a little bit but it's going to be the shift away from the sc eventually um just like how extra does with everything you can buy it if you order it we have the tooling but the the sx is the thing um i don't know that we ever saw that in, with home builds to where um you had really old home builds that were cheap to buy that were flying and already built, but being concurrently built, and it was economic to do both. Ah, but here's but here's the thing: is there have been two aircraft that have been absolutely dominant. The one is the Pitts, and yep. the second one is the extra three hundred and thirty SC. Those are the two. Yep. And right now, we have a lot of people who we just talked about who really regret that the Pitts is not as popular as it was. There will be, I predict, someday a lot of people saying, "Remember, we always supply extra three hundred and thirty SCs." Absolutely. And that was all you needed to compete in aerobatics. Was and we all had the same airplane, and everybody. You know what? That was good enough for unlimited. Yeah, and and everybody <laughs> knew who was the best pilot because we were all flying the same airplane. And yeah. it, it, the stories will, will change because that's how people are. But it's 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 a good time to be an aerobatic pilot. There's a yeah. lot of options available, right? Well, because it shifted from the golden era of you know you had Cap, Extra, Sukhoi. And uh, I don't know, maybe even mix laser in there and pits, right? Like, or yeah, you had a, a multitude of manufacturers that, like, if if a high level practitioner of that airplane was flying it, could win. And then it shifted, and it, we're seeing a further shift, and it was kind of like one airplane. You're right, the SC, and now it's 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 it's, it's evolving again. Yeah, but don't you think that there's just a certain level where the maneuvers, where the pilot just you can't handle it, and it does. You know, you can make these airplanes as crazy as you want but you need to find people that can actually fly through the figures and i think we're getting to the point now where it's you need to be i mean a limited is a full-time job but oh, gosh you would have to fly every day and and it just well so i i agree with what you're basically saying there jeff the the, the you're not it's not about flying an airplane around the box it's about putting a human being through the box and the the loads of the human being are the limiting factor and the amount of G's and you know that the human being can withstand is what matters. But if you have an aircraft with a lot of extra, if you have an aircraft with a lot of um, you know um, of extra performance that it needs, it can accelerate and decelerate and do things with more comfort on the pilot. But if you took that 
extra performance and made it so the pilot was trying to do it harder and faster in a tighter space then the loads get and we're already at the point where the loads are more than a lot of people want to deal with anyway that's not going to change probably it's so, loads yeah, that we limit. we never thought we'd see i think you know even red bull pushed those bounds where it's like you just never saw g loading like that but you know you've seen a lot of loads like the that thing now. is it, it's oh, also gee, how dare you if you if you have a lighter <laughs> airplane it's also it's easier on the pilot and it's safer so there's always going to be reasons for those advantages and people are going to want the latest, lightest thing because it's going to be a, a, an emergency situation. It's easier to land a lighter airplane. And if um, if it's lighter, you can accelerate better. And that means you don't have to pull as hard with as much airspeed. You can accelerate after the figure instead of during the figure. You know, there's still room for technological advancement. It's pretty much what's going on in advance right now. Yeah, advance. I mean, advance is interesting more than unlimited in a lot of ways because unlimited is kind of, like I said, limited by the body. But the advance... There's you can zoom around the box in advance mm -hmm. now. With there's a whole bunch of airplanes you can buy in the market, like a 330SC or an MX that right. can just go out and absolutely full throttle rock the sequences at a high speed. And it's interesting. It's a different kind of flying than that unlimited. But it, it, it correct me if I'm wrong, but it's kind of like what you're saying though with unlimited with getting these high performance airplanes. Advanced right now, you got a guy in a pits who's struggling to make it through in certain unknowns whereas like an sc guy gets a little low and he's like oh let me just add a little power here i'll i'll, I'll but, you know we ought to, this is the kind of thing where libby is very helpful because he's here right now and you know that and i'm just gonna i'm gonna direct a question to him which is you know you you've we've talked about this a lot in the french system you mentioned this earlier in the french system it, i don't know how to put this in the american system you've watched it the nationals right there's a lot of people flying advanced who are not in your in in the european sense of things are not ready to fly advanced. It's a different system uh, in the French level kind of qualification. Uh, yeah. this time. I mean, you cannot go unlimited if you are not qualified advanced, if you are right. not qualified. Uh, but you were advanced. surprised when you found out that anybody could fly advanced. Yeah. They don't have to have, they don't have to have any process. They could have never flown a contest before. Well, hell, yeah, people could do that with unlimited sense. really. Yeah, he's. He, I mean, I think getting Olivier's perception on this, he's he's trying not to say anything mean, but yeah. to him, it's nonsense. Yeah, that you would just. I, I can understand whatever. that. Yeah, it's but such I a. That's a, it, that's move where you cannot be earned by pilot if you, are, you don't have a good advanced level, if you don't have a good sportsman level. So you need to be qualified uh, to reach the unlimited level. You cannot go first. Okay, I have a good plane. Okay, I go straight in unlimited. No. Make no sense. And the the, the point that for I hear me, yeah, for me, yeah. but the point that I hear people in Europe is that one of the reasons that Americans struggle is because they're in the mix. We go to the we're just using advanced as an example, something like category this relates to, but they go to fly advanced the nationals and they're competing against people who can just barely fly the sequence at all, and that holds everybody back in a way because you don't have to be. Uh, I mean, there's I don't want to say there aren't strong pilots. There are strong pilots who are winning because they're the best pilot and would be even if everyone else was. Really capable. There's a broad range of capability, mm -hmm. and in uh, in a lot of the contests that Olivier is more familiar with, there's not a, a range of capability. There's all the really good pilots who are basically any of them could win is what they're looking for when they go to these contests. They're expecting to have everybody ready to fly, and there's not as much learning going on during the contest. So that's a big uh, philosophical difference. Yeah. And I think there's it's not easy to take another system and apply it here. But I don't know. I don't even know if that you could, you know, because like you look at like that's that's a, that's a really funny or not a funny, but a really interesting um, a point is that it seems like especially in the upper categories. And again, speaking as a layperson outsider looking in is that um, there's a tone in the United States where you can you, especially in the regional contest level where people kind of hedge their bets. Who's showing up? 
right? I'll show up based on who's showing up. And I don't, I can imagine that probably doesn't happen in Europe. Like, like it does here where, you know, you're, you're kind of looking at, okay, who's, who's showing up, who's, who's at this regional contest or who's showing up the nationals. Uh, what are my chances? It seems like that's a big part of the U S. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, I think there's some of that in Europe. There's some people who decide whether to come or not based on who's showing up. The more of the, the issue is you wouldn't even be allowed to fly the contest if you weren't ready anyway. That's what right. we really talk about here. Is well, so what, what is value, what, 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 I mean, America's about freedom. And I like that about America, by the way, I don't want to change that. But I think the perspective that Libby brings to it is that's not helping. It's not making people better pilots. He can see the difference. He's used to the system that he's been involved in. He's not coming here to say our system is bad so much as, you know, the, the strength of the pilots is really, really variable. And, and uh, maybe that's not the best thing. You know, maybe maybe uh, think about how to make sure everybody's ready to fly. Maybe they need more training. Maybe they need a system. Not that people are bad, but just that if they can't, if they can't the fly the quickest way. It's not the quickest way for them to get yeah. better. Yeah. Well, when we don't have that machine like Europe has, like Europe is a machine. It's an aerobatic machine. You know, it, it it's designed to make good aerobatic pilots and progress through a system like Olivier in, in Europe, uh, you know, France and Spain uh, specifically, are, are there any qualifications or are there any stipulations on um, when a pilot can show up for a national contest? Have they, have they, um, are they required to show up for a certain amount of regional contests that year or can they just literally show up to a national event and compete? It's not uh, a number of contests, it's just enough, uh, an average. If you have 72% per of the, all the contests, you can jump to the next level. Okay. So it's interesting because you have two challenges. The, the challenge to fly well, so you are qualified, so you're going to learn more new figures, new stuff, and the challenge to win if you want to win, of course. Sure. sure. Yeah, and we, we definitely don't have that here. For, is that the same threshold to go to advanced and then and then unlimited? And there's a category in between advanced. Yeah, we have a category in between to learn the it's elite and what is it? Excellence. Excellence. Yeah, and it's a good level because it's kind of uh, unlimited for beginners, so you don't have all the snaps the first year. So you have to be qualified, and then you can jump to the unlimited. But then when you jump to unlimited, you are ready for that. That, so that should be have, that should be implemented in the US. You're gonna have seventy percent easily. Instead, yeah. Otherwise, if you jump from advanced to unlimited, wow, the gap is huge. Huge jump. It's freaking crazy, man. And I always get I get in trouble with some people for saying this, but it it really is true that you have a lot of when people are flying the categories that aren't ready, what happens is it depends on the person. Some people they say, Well, I'm gonna get myself ready next year. I see what I need to do now. But some people say, This is too hard, it should be easier for me. And it's not fair. And we end up getting a lot of arguments in the US about how hard it is instead of what it would take to be ready to fly. The, the issue we need to solve is how do we get people ready, not how do we make us so they can fly at the current level. That's a really mm-hmm. weird way to look at it. There's a whole reason for a category system so you can find the level you're ready for. And if we look at that plainly, we would just look, somebody would say, well, I can't do that yet. That's all they would say. They wouldn't have any emotional reaction mm-hmm. at all. So their, their system of, of uh, supporting the pilot and getting them prepared so they can be successful and that they're maybe held back a little bit, but everybody has the same standard. They can all agree that that person's not ready. That person also agrees. No one really argues with it. That allows them to get people ready at a much higher, much, much quicker rate than we can. They go to advanced, they go to their category in between advanced and limited, then they go to unlimited. By the time they're unlimited, they know how to fly unlimited very, very well. Yeah. There's a much more, it seems like there's, uh, there's better oversight 
um, with regard to that than in the U.S. Because, I mean, here, somebody could, in theory, um, you know, mid-pack intermediate or just be an intermediate pilot and then um, not compete, not not work in advance, but but basically get private coaching or, you know, self-coach themselves into advance and then come into advance. And it's like, you have no idea what you're going to get when that person flies. In yeah, the- well, that's uh, that's right. And I always ask people when I'm working with them, and they'll ask me, you know, how they're doing. Like, I'm, how, how am I going to do at the contest? I'll say, well, can you do all the things? Can you fly? Can every you do figure? all of them? If I show you the catalog and look at all the things that are allowed in your category, if you want to fly advanced, kids, look at all the things you can do in advance. Here's every figure you already know. It's it's in the catalog. It's in the book. Let's look at it. Can you do all those things? Well, not. Well, I mean, a lot of times, no. But, but I mean. But can you do them every time? That's what the contest is. It's a precision contest. That is, it's it sounds funny, but it really yeah. is the issue. Is can you can you do all this stuff or not? That's that's what the contest is. So if you can't, then what are you doing? Go get go go figure out those things. Write down all the things you have to learn how to do and do them. And now you know that you're going to show up at the contest and be unable to do some of the things. It's just a different way of looking at it because some people would say, "Don't bother flying it until you can do all the things." I don't think it's like there's nothing wrong with going to the contest and not doing well. Sometimes we don't do well. Sometimes we're not ready. Sometimes we want to challenge ourselves and see what we can do. And we're, and we're bored at the previous level. That's fine. But there really shouldn't be any mystery about whether you're ready or not, because it's right there in the book. Yeah, Jeff. No, I, I agree. I mean, but I've always said unlimited is unlimited. I mean, there's no restriction on unlimited. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's like I didn't go to nationals last year to go to unlimited to fly unlimited because I was, wasn't ready. And. I could use that time to practice at home and, you know, yeah, I'm not, safe I'm not ready. I'm not ready right now either. If there was a, if I was going to nationals tomorrow, I would stink up the place pretty bad. I mean, it might, I'm not even fully ready by the time nationals comes around. We're going to see, cause I'm flying a new airplane. I feel way, way behind, you know, I'm still going to fly unlimited because why wouldn't I, but it's, but you know, I get it. It's not easy. Yeah. So like, but it's unlimited and there's just no excuse. Yeah. But and, what I'm talking uh, about is it's still different, Jeff. It's more about, about okay, see where you are, and then how do you, just the, the, the I agree with you, you get yourself I, to where you yeah. are ready. And when you have no system to support you and train you yeah. like they have in Europe, you're it was Olivia said you're just not gonna be as quick. You're gonna it's gonna take you longer to figure it out because now you're on your own trying to figure out how to be ready. Yeah. All these things you don't know how to do. You can't teach yourself to do things you don't know how to do. It doesn't work. Well, way. most of the time yeah. you just screw up your whole foundation and you gotta unfuck yourself. What I one thing, yeah, one thing I told the team is okay, let's imagine that you want to learn how to play guitar. And you go up on stage with 20,000 people and somebody says, okay, play really, really hard as hard as you can. Don't let up because the best guitarists play really, really hard. Now go for it. I mean, this is silly. You know, you practice scales over and over again. You practice your chords and you do that for years and years and you discipline yourself. And then you go up and you can make music. You don't, you don't just go out there and try. It's just nonsense. Yeah. I agree. Uh, the French do have a good system. The Russians had a great system too. Yeah. Sorry, you got my opinion going there, but that's a, that's <laughs> that's the one thing I've gotten from Olivier is that, that it's perspective. Super I mean, interesting. It's that. very efficient. For example, we have a captain. We have two levels from the captain. I mean, two seater. Yeah. And uh, when they are qualified to be advanced level, so they, they used to fly the two seater. They need normally two or two training camps one week to be ready to participate participate at the World Aerobatic Championship advanced. Only two weeks. And they're gonna be in the top ten for sure. Yeah. yeah. Only three weeks they, they jump, you know, from the captain to the 330. And in three weeks, normally they have all the package because they have a very good uh what's the name? Base. The foundation. Yeah. 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 
And I it's only captain. That. So, you know, they know all the waters, all the snaps, the, the basic techniques. So, and it's a plane easy to fly, not very expensive. So you can fly more. You can, uh, and for that, yeah, it's very efficient. We have to say that for sure. I, that happens a lot of times in the United States, right, Jim, where people, they don't want to, you know, they can afford a an extra or a monoplane and, and they don't want to do the super decathlon route or the underpowered airplane and they jump right into a, a high performance airplane and they don't really have the fundamentals down, you know? Well, there's no way to get the, I mean, I, I have, so I said some things about how it should work. I said some things that are kind of silly and stuff, but I have, I have huge compassion for the pilots. It's really not easy. We don't have a system. So how are you going to get better? And a lot of people yeah. think they're better than they are, but that's because they don't have good feedback. And a lot of people learning from people who may not be the best coaches. Yeah, it's well, complicated. Well. It's complicated. It's an isolated sport. So that's the problem. We use coaches from the beginning. We have trainer. We have coaches from the beginning, and so it's yeah. the quickest way to improve. If you fly alone, when you at the beginning, you will do nothing. Another thing that's really different about our situation than in Europe is we have a lot of different airplanes. We have, and it's part of our culture. It's a good. I don't. I think it's the bad part. But we have a culture of everybody has a different type of airplane. They're they're it's getting more and more uniform over time. But that is an advantage in Europe. If you have everybody's going to fly the CR100 or their Cap 10 until they've done the two seater, then they go to you know an extra two seat extra maybe. Then they go to a 330SC. Yeah. I mean you have you have a, a way to regiment how you're going to get people through the process. Yeah. You just have you know so much individual aircraft ownership and um, and people on their own. Well, it's a structured program, almost like uh, airline programs here in the United States. It's like, you, you know, you, you do this professional track. It's a real, it really is kind of a professional track to be a competitive aerobatic pilot in Europe, whereas here it's very, uh, you're on your own. You have to, you have to yeah. know the questions to ask to, to figure out how to do it. And if you don't know, you don't, you literally don't know. Yeah. In Europe, we have a process. I mean, at least in France, we have a process to to learn aerobatics very well done and for that yeah it works perfectly it, it works really well yeah do you do any virtual coaching jim with olivia no we don't really he asked we do any virtual coaching i uh, like do i send you videos we don't do a lot of that really i mean he would he would certainly look at them if i sent them but i i'm fortunate to work with him often enough that i don't really feel like that's you know necessary and he does a good job of giving me uh things to work on so I can work on them when we're not together and then we get back together. And, you know, and also I do believe in exploring a little bit too. It's okay to go out and explore, you know, so we don't really do that. We could, we just don't. I do, mm -hmm. I do do a virtual coach with some people that I work with sometimes because it's hard to get together. They're in a spot where they we can't see each other. I do think it can work, but there's a lot that you can't do. You just, there's so much you can't do. When they're just starting out, you can help them a little bit, but it's hard to do much, you know, like and, it's hard to teach, you know. And as well, when you are beginners, you need a, I would like to say a technical coach. But then mm -hmm. when you improve, you need a mental coach and a technical coach. It's mm -hmm. the both together. It's not only the technical part. Yeah. Yeah. Which is very important. Yeah. Do you yeah. try to do you try to fit both of those roles, Olivier, where like the mental aspect? Because it seems like you're I mean, your demeanor is super calm, cool, and collect. Like it, it seems like you you absolutely have a fantastic demeanor to be kind of a mental coach or or, or a, a a mental barometer for a student that you're teaching. But do you do you fit into both of those roles, or do you actually like to have somebody separate that is outside of the technical coaching be a mental coach? Uh, it depends. I mean, uh, 
Me as a trainer, I know I, I do the both. I mean, the mental part and the technical part. Uh, if you want, you can have a mental coach by your own, you know. But yes. the more you improve in the, in the, I would like to say, the robotic journey, the more you need to learn. And the mental part will be very important at the end because the technique, you're going to have it. So it's the way to be ready for the, for the contest. So, yeah, the mental part is very important. Yeah. One of the things I really enjoy about Olivia is every time the canopy opens up after flight, I'll go, how are you feeling? How are you doing? How how'd it go? What do you think? How's it, how are things? You know, and it's that that's the connection right away. Is I I feel great. Yeah. I feel shitty. I had a bad flight, a good flight. But the first thing we're talking about is okay, how to how to go for you. What yeah. what happened? You know, for you. And um and then we do it through the how the flight went. You know, but the first thing he asks is how are you feeling? I like that. Yeah. And when I'm getting ready to go, um, we're just so focused on the flight. There's really no distractions. It's one of the things I've learned a lot from him is just just. If you have to just ignore people, you ignore them. If you have to be rude, you'd be rude. You know, we don't want to do that. You try and just isolate yourself and just focus, 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 so you'd be ready. Yeah. And that's really interesting. Hmm. Are you doing anything else besides flying uh, to get ready for nationals or or any kind of like uh, physical training or dietetics? Me? Yeah. No. I used to do that stuff. Cocaine. Cocaine. Just there we go. Yeah. yeah. Obviously. A lot of coke. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the key. I used to lift I used to lift weights a lot and I just haven't done that very much lately. I'm still pretty strong. I feel really good about flying the airplane and flying is exercise. So I, I so I, funny. Yeah. But no, I don't do that. I, it's I funny. think I should recommend it. I think I should do it. I just don't do it. I'm lazy. Yeah. Everybody's we're gonna go to nationals this year, and people listening to this podcast are gonna come scratching on the ramp and everything. <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> I got a business right, idea, it. Jim. I got a business idea. Listen to my idea. Yeah. Why is your nose white? Yeah, what's the lot powder on it? Yeah. You're just playing <laughs> sportsman <laughs> at this point. <laughs> You're primary. So, it probably needs to be said that we do not actually do cocaine. Let's just go ahead and say it. <laughs> Disclaimer. Yeah. Disclaimer. But you know, uh, if you take the example of the French Amadelin, for example, it's the the best professional team you can get uh, now nowadays in the aerobatics world, they have mechanical guy, they have cameraman, they have physical coach, mental coach, technical coach, they have everything in their team, you know, so it's just to show an example of where we can go if you really want to have a team, a very, very strong team, you need all of this. It's yeah, almost like, like an F one team. It's a very professional setup with with covering a, a multitude of aspects to make sure yeah, that yeah. this this operation is is supported properly. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Do you, feel, do you feel that was the highest level you were flying at, Olivier, when you were on the French team with all that support? Uh, me, I wasn't because I was a civilian, so I I was in the French team. So in the French team, it's different. Uh, okay. Just, oh, it's different. You know, yeah, French, yeah. French, I'm at the left. Just to show you an example of how professional it can be a team. You know, if you look at, at, at this team, it's the team in the, in the French team. Uh, gotcha. yes, they have, you know, what we really want. You mechanical guys, so you have to do nothing. The plane is ready. You have cameraman, you have coach, mental coach, physical coach, you have everything. You just have to be focused on your flights. So that's the, I would like to say the future. If we really want to, to push, uh, harder. Yeah. Did you get along good with the military team? Sorry? 
What's that? Did you do get you along? Like, did you like the people in the military team? Did you get along with them? Yeah, I mean, it was interesting. It's a very learning experience because, yeah, you see it on. Jim Jim wants to say something, but he can't. No, uh, it's <laughs> just I've done I've done a lot of interviews, and you guys ask the questions like, "Do you like? Yeah, <laughs> who do you dislike? I What's your never... favorite color?" Wouldn't you, you rather that? Really? Yeah, we get up and so <laughs> Tell me something secret about the person that loves you. That is so true. <laughs> we, we, and it's not—it's not to get like gossip. It's just—it's like it's, it's all the stuff that we are so curious about because it's—it's it's so. You know what this world is so fascinating. You know, there's like yeah. a politics level uh, component involved, obviously, and and we never ask questions to like get somebody tripped up or to say something that they shouldn't in hopes that they get in trouble. It's never that it's, it's just so curious. Um, you know, like if you wanted to make work, you can make, you can make fun of their baby blue flight suits. If you want to, I don't think that it would, they would I, get hurt. on I, that. I met, I, met some, I met some pilots on the French team and they're all likable. I'll, I'll help a little bit. They're all likable people. And no, definitely. Yeah. They have a, they have a real good um, esprit de corps with their team and they practice together and they, Think about the sequences together and they're there for each other like every other team and i mean that you know i i think they're very likable people so i don't see why there'd be any anybody to dislike just you know i, I haven't met any dislikable people yet in this sport so probably it's okay with everybody no we well, kind of met like camaraderie compare with other sports you know like we can have in tennis in tennis a, a player you know like could be a pilot he has uh, his whole team with uh a coach with a physical coach, like I said, everything, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I guess I shouldn't lie. I have a couple people I don't like very much, but they're not oh, pilots. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that, that doesn't narrow it down. Does it rhyme with smaller? <laughs> they're, not, they're not pilots I compete against. That's what I should say. There you go. Um, Olivier, is so in Europe, what is there is aerobatics uh, how is aerobatics evolving like we're, you know we're watching kind of uh, i don't know the us seems to be um it's just such a different cultural dynamic we've we've touched on it a, a little bit here it's just so different than than aerobatics in europe but is there um how is that the european aerobatic community evolving or is it evolving um how is it where is it shifting to and where's kind of the focus you know especially like you know i don't know for the spanish team like, where is that? Where what's the outlook look like for world level aerobatics? Uh, good question. Uh, it depends really on each country. You know, you have the French. The French, honestly, is they have they have a system very strong. French Amadola is different. On the other country, they don't have a lot of unlimited pilots. It's just a couple of pilots. To be honest, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't have the Russian now because uh, of the, the news, you know. So, yeah, except the French, it's, I would like to say, a weak, weak system. We don't have too many animated pilots now. Yeah, with Russia being out of the we picture, to get it leaves a big gap. Get more, but yeah. Are there any rumblings? Have, uh, Olivier or Jim, have either of you heard anything about? The status of, I mean, obviously, the status of Russian aerobatics uh, in country, I, I think we've heard rumblings that that they are flying, but there's no, obviously, no exporting of airplanes and there, there's no comp competing outside of Russia. Um, any any talks of when that will resume? Obviously, there's there's political um, components to that, um, but 
is, either of you guys talked to anybody on the on the Russian team, former or current, that any rumblings of what's going on there? Well, we both know people that fly in the Russian team uh, that that um, we don't we don't really talk about politics. So they're good pilots, yeah. and I'm sure they like to be flying. Um, um, I'm sure they're practicing and regretting that they can't hang out with us. And the Russian yeah. nationals happened. You know, they're still competing yeah. Yeah. in their country. Um, the whole thing is a shame. Yeah, uh, for everybody, anything anything that happens like that, it's too bad for, for the sport. It's bad for the sport, but that's you know, I do, that's really all the extent of it. Is just we don't really talk that much. But if we do, we're talking about the flying because that's what we yeah. talk about. Yeah, yeah. I will say the Spanish sense. team is really looking strong. Um, well, you know, Olivier won this year. He won the Spanish Nationals this year. Congratulations! Yeah, yeah congrats. That was cool. That was cool to see the blurb on that. I wish Nationals in, in these other countries got a little more attention because it would have been nice to to kind of to 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 see more coverage in the U.S. on it. Well, I would like to say that the the Spanish system. Is, I don't know if you see, but you can see the flights online and the weathers online. And that's very interesting, I think, for the future of our sport. Yeah. Because you can follow any contest, even if you are in the very far countries or, you know, you, and for that, it's, it's really interesting because if we want to, to develop our sport, yeah, I think if you want to put it on TV or something like this, yeah, we need to have the screen online. And the production uh, value seemed pretty good. Sorry? I, I was the able to see yeah, yeah, I it's... saw a couple clips. It looked pretty good. Yeah, well, the clip, well, the the clip, but you can really follow online all the flights. Yeah, and uh, the marks online. So that's very interesting. I mean, yeah. So for it's that, yeah, but each each country has its own powerful. Could you could you give like what's the what's your give me like three pieces of advice. For American pilots, give me like or one big piece of advice, or Ooh, yeah. what we do with the system, what we do with the training, or <laughs> if you were if you were starting out in the U.S., you're really excited about aerobatics. Eight balls. What advice would you give people like that? <laughs> First, cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay. Three doses of cocaine. Yeah. Every then day. A nice no, set of hookers. Uh, I would like to say seatbelts, of course. <laughs> you need a process. You need a process. First, you need to build a process to learn, to, to learn. You know what I mean? You need a process. So you need a coach. Straight lines. A team. That's, you need an aircraft. You need a, a coach, a way to improve, to go as quick as possible to the highest level. That's very important. Yeah. And to enjoy. To enjoy because it's always the, the contest and we all fly to be the best. That's very important. But it's not only the main reason. I mean, we need to, to learn and to, to improve. And that's very important not to be only focused on the weather because it's, we have judges, different aircraft. So sometimes we can be disappointed in the contest. We all were disappointed in the contest. So we have to go through that. And yeah, and the only way is to enjoy and to have different goals. That sounds like, I want to train with Olivier. He sounds like fun. No, it's a great outlook. Freaking. Enjoying the process is something that I think everybody probably could could hear that and and take a take from. How to sniff cocaine? Yeah. Do you do any? <laughs> you need do a you... process, you know. <laughs> yeah, you 
<laughs> right. You, you, they have a whole process. You can't just start sniffing cocaine right away. No, exactly. you have to learn. You have to go it's, up the ladder. You have to work your yeah. way to your. Uh, you sn- you sniff it on. You sniff it off of the wing of a cap ten, and then then you start sniffing <laughs> it off of the wing of a cap two thirty two, and yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, and this gotta, is why you know, for example, in the MX, it's very useful. You have two pockets on each side, so you can do it <laughs> when you are at the holding point. You can open I, the pocket, you know, and then yeah. you can sniff the cocaine. That's why the, the uh, G1000 is super important. You need that flat glass surface. <laughs> Guys, I, I just have to tell you, I might have to call this episode Cocaine Cowboys. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I can't at this point. You're not doing cocaine. I was like, <laughs> there's no cocaine. That's not part of our process. I'm going to appeal to the Sport Aerobatics magazine and try to get that on the cover. Yes. <laughs> How to win. Real quick, because uh, it's, quick. I'm going to Photoshop Jim's face on the Johnny Depp's uh, blow. Oh, that's great. <laughs> the, or, uh, Scarface. Scarface. Yeah. yeah. No, from blow. I know you got to do it from blow for sure. Oh, yeah. I, um, I want to say with Libby um, that, <laughs> that I'm going to try and be serious again. You guys can't let me, but, but um, you know, the, the, the learning how to do things technically correct. Um, before you try and do them harder is one of the things that Olivia's been really helpful with. If you can't do it technically correct, you really can't do it harder. And I think that was one thing I got with, from Olivia was working with him and, and learning about how to do things the right way from the beginning and then building up the technique and then and then learning how to do it with force, full force, as he likes to say. Yeah. What was like not to, I know we gotta we gotta wrap up. Man, no one just jumped in with cocaine right there. I thought for sure somebody'd say <laughs> and lots of cocaine. Okay, go ahead, Jeff. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, if you insist, um, <laughs> that's how you go harder. Though, is you go harder with cocaine. That's how you right. go harder. You do it technically <laughs> correct, and then then add cocaine. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> step by step. All right, <laughs> not too much in the world. <laughs> yeah, you got to be careful. Um, <laughs> so, uh, what maneuver? Just name one. Uh, the, the top one. That you had to fix and go back and, and rework. Like, what was your eye-opening experience that, that you're happy with? Landing. You said the landing. Uh, like, <laughs> well, I think I think snapping at the wrong airspeed would be one of the things. I remember, so the, so I flew in um, uh, South Africa. Olivier was there. I didn't really know him then. I flew in Chateauroux. Olivier was there, 2019. And both of those contests, I over-rotated a three-quarter outside snap. Both of them. And a zero figures and it's just it just was to the point where i was gonna have a um you know a real issue with ever doing one again like it was in my head really bad you know and when i met olivia in, in chateau and was talking to him um and i think um louis lovercourt also was there but anyway um he said well yeah you came in way too fast we all saw you <laughs> now you're like hauling ass what were you thinking well i don't know i guess that Everybody on my team was like, you got to fly really hard. And yeah, but you're flying so fast. You can't, you obviously the over-rotate. I mean, if I flew it that fast, it over-rotate too. Oh, I see. That's a really good point. And that's what we started actually talking about technique. So I think that was like the number one thing for me right away was to get, like I said before, get the airspeeds under control and, and make a plan. Once you're snapping at the same airspeed in every uh, every type of line, you, if you're always in the same airspeed, then it's easy because now the yeah. rotation is the same rate every time and the stop is at the same timing and the whole the whole thing gets way easier 
that's like so yeah. obvious now but then it was like same yeah. for landing yeah. same for landing yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's the same for everything it's the same for everything like having your speed under control really makes a difference that's like the number one thing that i got right off the is the mx a faster speed or a slower speed than the sc well, the uh, forces, go ahead, you can say. And that makes another story. To manage the speed, it's, you have to cut the power. Yeah. But as far as the wow. speeds that we use, it's the same. We use the same speeds because the speeds are a lot of it's about the pilot, what the pilot goes through and out the airplane in a way. And the yeah. force on the stick is going to be, you know, well, I, you know, some of, the, some of the reasons you pick the speed like on downline is because you were trying to balance the line. If you're trying to do the upper part of the, of the vertical downline from 2,300 feet and the bottom part's 800 feet, you have 1,500 feet of downline and it takes so much time to get to the halfway point so you and that's you accelerate a certain rate so you're you know it's mathematically a correct speed it's not about being able to do it faster there's no there's no bonus yeah. points for doing it at a higher speed some of those some of the speeds are because you pick them because that's what mathematically works and once you have them together then we wouldn't want to change it because it's going to change the timing Okay. Was the down so th was the downline component hard uh, with the MX? Is it slicker? Like uh, uh, being worried about accelerating on the downline more than the SE? I've flown, yeah, I flew the known um, three times a day, um, which is the first time I've flown it since I think April. And um, the first time I just kept the throttle in, and I was, you know, two hundred thirty knots at the bottom of my lines and snapping way too fast. It's kind of all over the place. It can definitely be flown that way though. But I'm much more comfortable because of my experience otherwise, you know, to, to basically just, I took the throttle out and all the downlines the last flight. It was better. It looked better probably from the ground. It felt better. That's probably how I'll do it at the contest is just manage my airspeed a lot better and keep the speed what I'm used to. Um, to keep it under control and then build up speed. It's the same thing I talked about a little bit ago. You know, once you get the plane sorted out and you can fly it precisely and you have the right technique, then you start flying it faster and harder. But I don't think there's any reason to be super fast, personally. Some people like to fly really fast. There's probably not a good reason for it, because you're going to use more box, and yeah. it's harder in your body, and the judges don't really probably care. So probably don't need to be that fast. What about for things yeah, like snaps? Like, what's the what's the sweet spot? Like, is there uh, – well, so, like, for snaps, like, what's the sweet sweet spot airspeed for snaps? And then, like, is there, are there, like, speeds yeah. for other maneuvers that are, like, really, really important to hit it at that speed every time? Yeah. Yeah, so the first answer is on a vertical downline, 100 knots is really good. And you can just kind of add 10 knots for every every 45 degrees you change. So if you have vertical down, 90 knots to 100 knots is pretty good. Then for 45 down, you might use um, you know um, 100 or 110. Then level, you might use 110, 120. And 45 up, you might use 120, 130, you know, or something like that. that. And then vertical, you want to you want to hit every line that's going to vertical snap. You want to be like 180, 185 knots. And then just count one or two until you're at 130 or so and do the snap at 130, 135, something like that, because you're decelerating. Okay. So every, yeah. every line has to give a count so you know exactly when to do the snap. And then as far as um, the second part of your question was, um, if there are any figures that the speed is really critical, all of them, every figure has a critical speed. Every figure you have a plan for an entry speed. Go um, ahead. The speed is a part of the process. Yeah. Yeah. If you remove the speed, okay, the process will not be perfect. Yeah. So you need to put the speed in the process, in the equation. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like yeah. every figure, the assumption I have for every figure, if there isn't a, a reason to do it differently, the first assumption is it's going to be 185 knots. That's my reference speed in the extra. So every figure that's going to go up, pretty much all figures, horizontal as well, I'm looking at 185. Then you have some figures like 
you know, a down move. Well, obviously, you're not going to hit that at 185. You have, you have some figures you do differently. And the other, yeah. other figures like rolling turns where you're pretty much always going to be at 120. Like, that's just the assumption. Yeah, you're going to be at 120, 130, because they're going to always come at the top. You very rarely have high-speed rollers. So you practice those at that airspeed. And then you try and practice some things a little slower than you want. Like if you're doing a diamond or let's say a square loop, you have to learn how to do snaps at like maybe 110. You know, you have to learn how to do slow speed snaps. You learn how to use how much rudder you need. But you're, but every figure you have a reference airspeed. And I have a, you know, a book, I have notes of all the figures I fly and what the reference airspeed should be. Yeah. I saw that it's behind you. It's got some white stuff on top of it. It's dirty, <laughs> but. <laughs> he it's funny. Uh, you're talking about oh. cocaine, but I thought my, I have white binders. I have a lot of notes. I thought they were mine, but they're not. So. Yeah, yeah, white biters. Yeah, yeah it's white. funny because <laughs> Olivia keeps Olivia keeps on going out of the video to go do something, but I think we know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, that... airspeed's—it's not a joke. Airspeed is the number one thing I picked up from working with Olivia. Yeah, okay. heard, you, you were talking to me about that before at nationals yeah. last year. I remember people just shouldn't just fly around willy nilly and try things. They should have a a speed and you know you like I, I i was talking to uh um i can't oh i thought okay i do remember it doesn't matter i was talking to somebody the other day about he's like well i gotta do a one and a quarter spin then a snap afterwards what's the trick there well can you do a one and a quarter spin and end up that with that spin at 90 knots perfectly vertical down well i don't know well then that's it i mean that's 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 the challenge do the do the spin so you end up yeah. exactly vertical down and leave yourself at 90 knots, then you can do a good snap. But if you're, and they can do a good snap on a vertical downline. You do them, do them in isolation, then do them in combination. If you can't do the first thing, and you don't even know if you can, well, you're not going to, why put, why put a snap at the end of it, you know? So just th thinking like that, thinking through the problems you're trying to solve and breaking them down and making each problem, um, you know, solvable by itself before you try and ram them all together into a seven minute sequence where you're exhausted and you're low on oxygen is one of the, the most important things. That seems like a very European uh, approach to uh, competition aerobatics, where you really break down the figure, and it's it's doing the figure, it's it's speed, uh, crosswind, uh, all these other components to the figure that that make the figure look um, presentable. Whereas it, I, I do feel like there's a little bit of a, a kind of a, a I don't know maybe a cultural difference or just a, a lack of uh, just a different way of thinking, where it's just like people here just kind of do the figure and then figure out later on. How to how to make it look presentable? It's all, it's almost asking, opposite. Yeah, I remember asking Olivia when we first started working together about when I watched the French team. It was like they all they all did it so tight, like it wasn't really really high and really really fast. It just everything was kind of like framed in the middle of the box, and they all did it the same way. And we talked a little bit, and they said, "Well, what do you guys use for snap speeds in the U.S.?" I go, "What do you what do you mean? Well, what speeds do you use on a snap for a vertical line down?" I have, I don't know, whatever I'm, you know, whatever. Well, send what it. About 45? What about a level line? What about 45? Up? What do you use? What, what are you doing vertical up? What do you use? Lydia, I have no idea. We just do snaps when we're ready to do that. You know, well, <laughs> is bold, the words you use have stuck with me, sense. which is, but Jim, this is a precision contest. How can you be precise if you don't know what airspeed you're going to use? That's what, yeah. okay, you're right. The I precision see. starts with airspeed. It's not, it's not the maneuver itself. It starts, it starts, it's yeah, everything. yeah. It's yeah. everything. It's yeah. all about precision. All of it. Everything has to be reproducible. You can't be precise unless you can reproduce it the same way every yeah. time. And if you can't talk about it and describe the plan to everybody who wants to know the plan, if you don't have a plan, 
you don't know what it is, you can't be precise. That's that, well said. You cannot be consistent. Yeah. Yeah, you got to do the whole contest. You got to be consistent to get through a whole contest yeah. and be precise the whole time. You can be. It's the other thing he told me, and Luis said this too: is it's not lucky aerobatics; it's precision aerobatics. You're yeah. flying lucky aerobatics. You got to take the luck out of it. Oh man! Yeah, what's the strategy? Take the luck out of it, Jim. What are you going to do? Take the luck out of it. Well, I guess I figure out what the plan is and execute the plan. Okay, and that's kind of yeah. That's it. You figure out what the plan is for every figure, so you can execute the plan. Then you don't have any luck anymore. Olivia, you should make that a shirt. It's not lucky aerobatics is precision. I, that's a that's a great that's great. <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> you mean the cocaine? Yeah. <laughs> yes, that part. Yes. <laughs> Olivier, are you do you feel like you're gonna see yourself transitioning to maybe the full-time coaching role and 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 transitioning away from competing at some point? Like um, do you like it enough to to have that kind of to transition to that role full time, or are you gonna continue to kind of do both? Uh, at the same time, uh, I like to do both for the moment. Yeah, because uh, I like to compete as well because it's a way to I'm repeating, but to improve and to be in the game. Because yeah, I like it. I like to fly. He should yeah. never stop flying. Yeah, guys like him and Rob, they should never stop flying. They should fly yeah. the rest of their lives because that's what they like to do, and it makes them happy, and it makes me happy to watch. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. You can tell there's passion. There's yeah, you're passionate about flying. Like you, you love it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, definitely. And then we have each year we have new challenge. You know, with the MX, with the the contest, of course. So yeah, it's yeah. I like I it. Love it. That's awesome. Yeah, it's like a drug. It is. It's a lot. Less Let's say it's like drug. cocaine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's been about 45 seconds. I'm addicted. <laughs> I am addicted, and that's a serious problem. Yeah. It's it's more expensive than cocaine, unfortunately, but yeah, yeah. So that's the problem. It's definitely an addiction. Definitely an addiction. Yeah. Oh man, Jeff, what up? We we so just so you guys know, we're we're uh, I, we've we've kept you over two hours, and I know everybody's probably tired. Um, should we think of, I don't know, a couple more questions and then. Uh... Uh, I mean, how did Coco get his nickname Coco? Is that from a, a certain substance? <laughs> how, did Coco, how did Coco get his nickname? I don't know. Coco, that's it. Yeah, you don't know. Yeah, I know what it is. I know what it is. Yeah, okay. It's cocaine, cocaine. Yes. Absolutely. So we know. <laughs> yeah. No, because it's a nickname uh, from the his first name, Coco. Oh, okay. His first name is Claude. It's Claude, Claude. Yeah, yeah. Claude, this is why it's Coco. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I'm gonna go with the cocaine one. I like the cocaine. Yeah, I like that better. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot better. <laughs> oh, cocaine. We got to think of a good nickname, but not cocaine cowboys. It'd be a uh, something. I mean, I want to put their names in the title, but cocaine cow. Like, how do you not do cocaine cowboys? I was thinking something um, like aviation relatable. It would also be terrible, like you know, IAC president comes on and talks about cocaine. I would, yeah, IAC. I, I would <laughs> ask you to get it out all the cocaine references, but there wouldn't be anything left. So there'd be yeah. nothing left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll but, just have, we'll have to give you an alias. What's your alias, uh, Jim? <laughs> I don't know. We've we've already disclaimed that uh, that nobody does cocaine here. This is it's all tongue in cheek. I'll say it again. It's all tongue in cheek. We are we don't actually do cocaine. 
Yeah, this is definitely tongue in cheek. Hold on, I'm sending you guys. A, I want to. I'm sending you all a text message. I can't say on air right now. <laughs> that's not good broadcasting. You just yeah, that's not send yeah. a message. You don't have to tell oh, you'll, I'm going to read You'll you'll appreciate that I texted it and I didn't say it on air. Trust me. <laughs> oh okay, yeah, yeah, good call. I'm not going to say that loud. Good job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is good. That's actually a good call. Good. Yeah, call. you're welcome. You're welcome. That's a, that shows that I like you. <laughs> um. Jim, yeah, is there anything another... like in that vein? Uh, I mean, that would be a whole other podcast, but is there anything you want to quickly mention about that? I obviously uh, elections have wrapped up, um, you know, oh, the, uh, the election, you know, um, <laughs> just, real, just real quick. Anything I yeah. say, like, We're only two and a half hours in, but just real quick, two hours later, you know, not the, not the important stuff. <laughs> Um, I really appreciate working with Peggy and Britt. They were very good board members, and I'm sure the people that replace them will be good board members too. Uh, I'd like to think I could work with anybody. So there's no nothing really to say about it. I, the yeah. election, it, I, the, some of the members didn't vote for some people I would have voted for, and uh, that's the way things go sometimes. You know. Yep. Yeah. I'm but I, I had to, like you know, Robert Armstrong um, made on the board again, and there was some altercation on the aerobatics exploder, which seems to happen quite a bit. It's too bad. But yeah. I had a nice chat with them, took a picture with them, and. Their venture and everybody oh, really? on the board. Yeah, I, I get along with everybody really well. I like them all. And well, that's, but it's great that you guys times. talked about it. Yeah, it, it, well, we, didn't, we didn't really talk about Yes, you know, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, yeah you agree. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, but the point is that um, we don't we don't have to agree with each other, we just have to treat it with respect. And we do that at the board meetings. And I wish that uh, more people um but I don't think there's that many people who worry about the board meetings, of course. It's inside baseball. But yeah. um, I wish that everyone could see how well everyone tries their best to take care of the IAC together. Even when we're arguing, yeah. we try our best. And I, I love that about the group of people I work with. So, you know, whenever you, the, the people have to win the re-election, you always run the risk of losing. That's the way it is. And you're just in this temporary. As long as people want you to be, that's the way it works. Well said. Gotcha. Well said. I mean, uh, Olivier would be a great candidate because it's the International Aerobatic Club. And, no. and the guys hold Who it like Olivier? A, I don't know him. Who Olivier would be a terrible <laughs> board member. Yeah. He's got like 12 nationalities at this point. Yeah. <laughs> we, would, we would never get anything done because we'd make jokes the whole time. Perfect. Exactly. Yeah. It'd be great. <laughs> Look at us. That's all we do. We don't get anything done. Right. Look <laughs> yeah. at this podcast. Yeah. yeah. Um. Would you guys, uh, we would love to have you on maybe, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't, we don't want to take away from any of the, the, the mental game, uh, before nationals, but, um, you know, pre nationals like check-in would be a lot of fun, but then also like oh, maybe yeah. a post, a post nationals check-in, uh, you know, cause this is such a fun dynamic, uh, to see. see, all cocaine. see all, yeah. See all yeah. Cocaine. Yeah. No, see how your addiction is going. Cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> cocaine We're going to have to have a, I'll do it as long as you promise to have a different thing we can reference every 45 seconds i'll do deal maybe that's devil's let we'll do the devil's lettuce it'd be heroin the devil's lettuce <laughs> the yeah. devil's lettuce we'll no, talk about how many we, we'll, we both we'll talk about we, props. we'll be together hanging out and we'll have plenty of free time in the hotel we're practicing so just let me know what works for you guys that'll be great yeah jeff you got anything else for them I'm just really thankful and and thank i know what it's like doing a camp and being exhausted so thanks for for hanging and and staying on yeah yeah it's good talking to you guys yeah this was a lot of fun jim olivier it was a a real pleasure to meet you and talk to you and um this was a lot of fun pleasure as well a pleasure and if you need some stuff you know a bit white we can we can call the president he has some way to 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 get it quickly (laughs) 
That's a good net. I love yeah. it. Uh, that's How else like, gonna... they're gonna, they can go another nine hours. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna need cocaine to keep going. <laughs> Oh my god. There's there's the it. reason why Jim's plane is painted a certain color. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, well, thanks again okay, for coming guys. on. We really appreciate yeah. it. It was it was such thank a you, pleasure. Thank you. And uh pleasure pleasure to talk to you. really we'll enjoy this. Yeah, yeah we've we'll been talk a- soon. Big fans. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fly Cool Shit. Be sure to check out our website at www.flycoolshit.com. Subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes and Spotify. Any questions, comments, or feedback, shoot us an email at flycoolshit at gmail.com. 